Welcome to Highway Freaks. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. Introducing my road crew from British Columbia, Canada, Cruising Corinne and Motorhead Mark. From Indiana, it's Ghost Hunter Greg and our Canadian singer, songwriter, and truck driver, GM Blacktop. Produced by Calgary's Power Path. We are Highway Freaks, real truckers, real life. That's right. We are Highway Freaks, real truckers, real life. This is visit number 61. Tonight, we feature our little person guest once again, James P. White, one-third of 97.7 Cruise FM's morning team. Also tonight, the debut of singer-songwriter and Guinness record holder, Jukebox, Joy Chapman from Calgary. We've got Ghost Hunter Greg from Indiana. He's here as well, and he's going to talk about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Vancouver Island's cruising Corinne will drop in and tell you all about her latest travels. We also have singer-songwriter GM Blacktop and myself, Bry Guy, your host. So we're back after two weeks, guys. Uh, got a lot of things that have happened in the news. Uh, if you have anything in the news you want to share, feel free. Of course, the biggest news this week probably is five NHL players have taken indefinite leave from their teams. Anybody care to elaborate on that? Yeah, why? Thank you. I was, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Well, back... Quite a while ago, there was a thing that happened in uh, the minor hockey. And these guys were kids at that time, or teenagers, let's put it that way. And they did something to a woman that we just won't get into on, on the podcast here. And years later, she decided to file charges against these people. And they were exposed. Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames, Carter Hart, the Flyers' red-hot goalie that's been just lighting it up in the NHL, um, Michael McLeod and Cal Foote of the New Jersey Devils, Alex Formanton, who is now a team in Europe that he's with, and they've all been granted indefinitely from their teams. My guess, guys, with money that those guys have, they're probably not going to be playing in the NHL this year and if they do play next year, it'll be conditions, but they're not going to go to prison. I highly doubt that. Anybody want to add to that? Well, I'm trying to figure out if it was a party or if it was violence. Like, what the hell happened? Jimmy, you could probably, uh, you were talking about this on your morning show, were you not? Uh, we did talk about it a bit, but I I wasn't totally paying attention, but I know it was like a, it was like a party or something, and they were uh, the bunch of them were alone in the room with the, this person and things happened. I don't know all the details cause I try right. not, I, cause I try not to focus on that kind of stuff because to be honest, that stuff really angers me when men take advantage of women in any situation. And yep. I try not to pay attention too much because I don't like being angry. Well, I, I agree. Released. I agree. And the dirty laundry will come out and uh, the details will suffice. And once that happens, then we'll all have an idea of what these guys are all about. And if there is any remorse shown by any of them, right? Or maybe I mean, so, 
How many years ago was this? 2018. Oh, this happened. This happened in 2018. Correct. correct. Oh, so that's right. Recent. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. But, but I mean, all these guys are major stars on their teams now. Most of them are, and they're multi-millionaires several times over. And uh, you can be bet that they're going to have the highest-priced lawyers to defend themselves. So. Um, it's unfortunate. It's not going to be like a Danny Masterson affair where he's, his career is over in Hollywood. I'm sure these guys will play hockey again. I mean, look at, uh, there was this one guy for the Ottawa senators. You might remember him. He was named Danny Heatley and he killed his best friend and Danny went on. Danny went on to play. Yeah, it was a it was a, a motor vehicle accident. They were together. Oh. They were driving. He was driving, and uh, his friend was in the car. But he went on to have a, a career after that. I mean, Craig McTavish uh, is another good example. There's yep. quite a oh, few yeah. in the NHL that went on to have careers. Um, unfortunately, that's just the way it works in sports. They they generally don't do a lot of time, right? But I don't think that's going to happen in this case because, like, what I heard, like, what we were talking about is during the time of the the actual uh, incident when they were with minor hockey, the minor hockey association threw money at uh, the situation to make it disappear. So for them to be able to get away with that again I don't think the court system or anything is going to allow that. This could be a career-ending thing because they're not going to get away with, you know, okay, just give her money and she'll go away because the minor hockey tried that. It it could be precedent-setting. Absolutely, Jimmy. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. So what could happen too is there's a lot more money involved now. So minor hockey might have said, here's 50000 They might say, here's $20 well it will it will change it will change the culture of minor hockey and the the old boys club or the new boys club yeah we hope right we hope i hope that the you know the book is thrown at them that that to my personal opinion is i hope these uh, these men don't play hockey again i hope that they're they lose their career because of this because you know, this is uh, unacceptable in any because if they yep. get away with it and they're still and they're still playing hockey and they're making millions of dollars, what? How is that going to stop this from happening again in minor hockey uh-huh. with with other people? You know, it's it, there's got to be a precedent here. There's got to be a way like they. This is unacceptable, and if they get away with it, people are going to be like. Well, they got away with it, so let's give it a whirl. You know, that's a horrible way to look at it, but it could happen. They need to set an example. Yeah. Well, I mean, my son being in hockey, I know a lot of stuff goes on. um, And even within coaches with the boys, too. So, uh, Jesus. Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely things need to change. I mean, it's like that in the music uh, community as well. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's like uh, that anywhere. The, the where casting, the casting coaches is a real thing. Oh yeah, it's like that anywhere. Money is at. I mean, it's it's not just you know, it's not just hockey. It's in the NFL. It's in the NBA. It's in the it's it's, and I agree with Jimmy. You know, there needs to be, they need to make make them pay 
and show all these other idiots that are doing this stuff and thinking, oh, well, I can buy my way out of it. Need to make them see that, no, that's, that's, that's just not going to happen. Money has always made well, things go away, disappear. Yeah, politics, Hollywood, yeah. sports. Yeah, I mean, but when you when you look at the the recent uh, situation with Danny Masterton, I mean, his career is over. And if you don't know who he is, he played Hyde on that '70s show, and uh, he was also on The Ranch, which was a, a Netflix show. And when this happened, they fired him. They got rid of him. So, uh, and he's done for intensive purposes. You're probably never going to hear from that guy again. Well, the thing is, we use these as talking points, right? Like, we talk about NHL, NFL, all these guys, money, 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 casting couches, all this other. But really, what it comes down to is a bigger issue than that, and that is men behaving badly. Uh, I don't think at the time, maybe some of the casting couches feel that way, but I don't think these, these guys, when they were kids, were, were thinking, oh, we'll just buy our way out of it. They were probably all hammered up, and they were behaving badly. It's no different than them behaving badly in that party versus five other guys behaving badly in some party where no sports involved like it's bad behavior and mm -hmm. uh you know and there's a deeper there's a deeper element than just sports you know i mean so i mean i do agree with some people think they can get away with shit but i don't know if they're thinking that at the time i think they're probably just hammered and behaving badly and which is wrong and they should pay for it but and, and i believe when it comes to everybody talking about sports heroes and stuff that that's just a talking point but yeah, you're, on a you're right. You're right that it's not just in sports. It it happens in everyday life. You just don't hear about it. Everywhere. You just don't hear about it. Exactly. But it's not always but men behaving as badass me. men that are behaving badly against women. And that's that's really what this problem is. is you know, yeah, I mean, it, they should never not. play hockey again. Well, just like the guy that did it down the road with some girl should, you know, never work at Walmart again because he, you know, he did it. You know, it's just a talking point. Mm -hmm. They're too we young. To we all like. need to be held accountable. I, I agree. I'm not saying they shouldn't. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's it's got fuck all really to do with sports. On a similar note, Corey Perry is back in the NHL after yeah. his little scandal a few months yeah. back, and yeah. we don't know the uh well the utmost truth about what happened, but. Obviously, the Oilers are taking a chance on him because they're paying about seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars for the rest of the season, and uh, the Oilers are on a fifteen game or fourteen game winning streak. They're going for fifteen tonight, I believe. Is that right, Jimmy? Yes, I believe that's true. Right, right. Because they are playing you guys, tonight. You guys always have uh, your guy there talking about uh, sports on your show. Bag Milk. Milk. He's yeah. with Oilers Nation. They're a podcast group that deals with the Oilers. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he's on a cloud these days because he's a huge Oilers fan. Uh, yeah, because when, when they lose games, uh, like I know last year, he had to eat a can of beets every time they lost a game, and he really hates beets now. Um Wow. <laughs> okay. Who wow. was it that said that they have a son? Who said they had a son that writes a thing about the Oilers every day, every week? Was it Corinne? Yeah. Yeah. What My was son, that? John, he he writes for a uh, website, uh, the Oil Rig. 
and it covers mainly the Oilers, but he does write about other parts of the NHL, and he used to have his own podcast, a hockey podcast oh, cool. as well. Yeah. Right. And I'd listened to it and it was good. It was really good. So we are also featuring GM Blacktop's classic songs tonight. And uh, we have uh, about six of them. And then we've got a new one in there from his latest album. So that should be interesting. And uh, it's uh, also interesting to note that uh, our own new debut J- joy chapman is a singer songwriter as well so um maybe down the road they might you might just hear one yeah. from her or 10. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to hear a lot from her. we'd like to hear a lot i don't want to oh, hear there you go thank god damn okay well, well we'll discuss that down the road so uh first things first i have a truck everybody knows about that i uh, have had quite the interesting time since i bought her yes she's a her truck this time not none of these he trucks my stepson said to me uh when i was with this other company he says why are you naming these trucks by the name of guys and i said well that's just what came to me he goes no no you're gonna have bad luck and he was right he was very right the last two trucks that were named men were bad luck so this truck is a female truck and a lot of people on facebook have been trying to guess the name of my truck and they have gone everywhere from casper to whitey to snowflake uh and nobody's not even remotely close so i'm going to give you guys the opportunity right now to guess the name of my truck i'm going to give you the hint it's what i identify with most there's your hint so anybody care to guess bandita <laughs> i don't know where you got that probably because of my dog named bandit so of course that's where it came from okay all right Ru- Ru- rupaul no. no definitely not <laughs> definitely not it's- anybody else care to guess Go I ahead. guessed on Facebook, but I was wrong. Yeah, you guessed a few of them. Uh, but yeah. You, you, I got to give you kudos for trying. So, uh, uh, Jimmy, Joy, any guess? I don't I don't know you, so I, I don't know. It was like, if you like the dog, the new bitch in town, or Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, I think that's a good name for her, bitch. This truck is bitching. Okay, so here it is. How about Barbarella? No, no, no. Okay, so here's the name. And when I say the name, see if you click into it. The name of my truck is Adrian. Yo, Adrian, we did it. Because you think you're Rocky? Rocky? For God's sakes. I identify identify with the character of Rocky. Correct. See, yeah, I should get some sort of money for that. I want like twenty bucks for that. That's very oh, good. Adrian. Yeah, Adrian. Explain, explain the So that is the name of my truck. So there you so go. Maybe we should start uh, doing this song when we do do this podcast. <laughs> oh, I, 
It's funny you said that because when I first came doing this podcast, that was the very first idea I, oh, I came up with, and then my <laughs> wife said, "No, we're not going to do that." So um, <laughs> she she vetoed it really quickly. But yes, Wait, you have yes, to pay royalties? yeah, probably, probably <laughs> you probably would. It's, it's like Stallone needs another house, right? Yeah. So okay, so there you go. That's the name of her. She fits it quite quite well and uh she's a good old gal i mean she's a 2021 she's got 841,000 kilometers which is half a million miles so so tonight that's, our topics that's more miles than Max White had on her <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh wow okay wow. 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 yeah right well, after after being home for 50 some days uh <laughs> yeah. no, we, we won't go there with your wife we're going to go with a song, and then Jimmy's going to come on next and uh, tell you about what's on his mind. And we're just going to start with, uh, we're going to get ready, set, let's go, from GM Blacktop on Highway Freaks. Coffee and newsprint Looks like another nice day again No chance to rain We should book our work And take a little trip The blues are now behind us The summer's coming in So baby, let's go To the coast A lot are in the summer For Carolina Or Wichita well, we're fair in love, baby, let's play a little game I've been the tail on the USA In a state of gravel Ready to get set, let's go I've got a full tank of petrol Soda pops and Oreos What more could a couple of grown kids want? Slip in a couple of cool CDs Do a little country karaoke Crank it up and listen to Tim McGraw We've been waiting for this day This could be our unplanned getaway so baby, let's go to Tupelo and see the king's old home or down to Tennessee where you and me can ride the river boat. Baby, let's play a little game. I pin the tail on the USA in a state of gravel. Ready to get set? Let's go. The cars in the drive Oh, walls don't clean All agree, just you and me So baby, let's go To San Antonio Or maybe Monterey Or up to Idaho Ontario As long as it don't rain Baby, let's play A little game I pin the tail on the USA but just kind of go with the flow Ready to get set, let's go So baby, let's go To the coast, let it rain on the sun To Carolina, 
Wichita Where we fell in love Baby, let's play It is day to cry Ready, get set Ready, get set Ready, get set Let's go Uh, my name is uh, James P. White. I actually am part of the uh, locker room on 9... It's, by the way, Brian, it's 95.7 Cruise FM, not 97.7. Um, it's 95.7 Cruise FM. Oh, oh thank you, buddy. <laughs> and we're, the, we're the morning show. We're the locker room. And so one thing that I a lot of people may not know about me is... I am a huge Star Wars nerd. I love I've loved Star Wars since when I when I first saw Return of the Jedi when I was a kid. I saw it in a theater, and then I loved uh, all the other movies all the way f- like from then till now. And I'm almost fifty, so I've been a huge fan. Um, I did uh, I did have some problems with. Uh, when Luke, uh, George Lucas did the uh, the edits to the the original the original movies, adding the additional footage, because there was a lot of stuff that they that he put on there that totally changed different storylines, especially adding Boba Fett to uh, you know a New Hope in the uh, in the uh, what call it in the landing bay when. Uh, uh, Boba, F- uh, when Jabba the Hutt was talking to Han Solo in the first movie, and like a bunch of other things, so I thought the them doing the special edition, I thought that was bad. Like there were some good things about it, but the reason he did it though is the stuff he wanted to do at the time when he released the first movie in '77, he didn't have the technology for. So uh, he didn't have the technology for the uh job of the hut at that point they didn't have um some of that stuff so that's why he made the changes but i thought it totally changed like especially boba fett's storyline um just my personal opinion but what my my focus today is more on what's going forward uh in 2024 when it comes to star wars so the uh on the locker room uh, yesterday i talked about they released the trailer for the Bad Batch uh, season, final season. So those of you who don't know what the Bad Batch is, they're a bunch of uh, clone troopers that didn't obey Order 66, which was killing all the Jedi. And so these were were special clones. Uh, there was three of them. Or sorry, five of them originally. There was Hunter, uh, Wrecker, Tech, Crosshair, and Echo. And so they they all had special abilities because they were kind of defective clones, but they weren't affected by Order 66. And they actually, uh, in the first episode, let one of the uh, Jedi Padawans escape, who ended up uh, being in 
the Rebels a bit later. Uh, he became Kanan Jarrus. He was Caleb Dune uh, when he was in... Uh, see, I'm going super nerd. Uh, he was Caleb Dune, and then he became uh, Kanan Jarrus in the Rebels. So where this, where this series takes place, it's just like it takes place right during the Clone Wars, so at the very end. And introduce a bunch of really great characters, both good guys and bad guys. But the primary one that they focused on a lot in this is uh, a girl called Omega. She actually was a unaltered clone herself. So she's actually a direct uh, clone of um, Jango Fett, who will... For those of you who may know, is Boba Fett's father. So technically, Omega is uh, Boba Fett's sister. So uh, this uh, takes place then. And so the whole series at first was just how the uh, the Bad Batch kind of survived, not being part of the Empire anymore, trying to be bounty hunters, trying to do their own thing, and and also protecting their new family, which ended up being. Um, Omega. So I I really like that. They had a lot of great actors, a lot of awesome characters. They uh, throughout the series so far, we're going into season three, and they you know showed that there was still some Jedi living, like Gunji. Uh, if you watch the Clone Wars at all, Gunji was actually one of the only Jedi that was uh, a Wookiee. And if you don't know what a Wookiee is, they're the big hairy ones that go, ah, like a, do a weird growl for talking. Um, also throughout the series, uh, they also touched on Hera Syndulla, who was one of the main characters for Rebels and a lot of stuff. So I, I really enjoy the, the, the original two episodes, but season two ended with them kidnapping, uh, the Empire kidnapping Omega that's where the new series comes in. But uh, the trailer just came out the other day, and there was a lot of real cool things that were thrown in to the uh, whole idea of the Bad Batch, one of which is they brought uh, they brought Asajj Ventress back, who was actually an apprentice of Darth Tyrannus or Count Dooku. And, but in this one, she has a green light, uh, a yellow lightsaber which is that of a uh, counselor uh, or uh, protector. They are brought back Cad Bane and, and a number of other, of whatchamacallits, uh, bounty hunters. But I really like where they're going with this, and why I'm so excited is actually the uh, first three episodes are going to be on uh, Disney Plus in February, February 21st. And... This is just one of uh, multiple projects that are supposed to be coming out this year. Because not only uh, are they doing that, they're bringing in uh, the Acolyte is supposed to be here. This is a Sith series that's going to be dealing with actually 100 years before the beginning of the Clone Wars. So during the time in which the Jedi didn't even know the uh, Sith were around because they thought they were extinct. We got that. We got Skeleton Crew, which is supposed to be like a a, a space show that's going to actually have uh, what's what's his nuts? Um, Jude Law is actually supposed to be in that one. That's supposed to be coming out this year. And one of the most exciting things I'm looking for is the, the 
Andor season two. Uh, if you don't know what Andor is, it's actually a it was a prequel to the the movie um, Rogue One, and so this is supposed to be part two, which is supposed to lead right up to where they start off with Rogue, uh, uh, Rogue One. I'm so excited. Like, these are just the series, and then there's a bunch of movies that they're working on, but those aren't coming out until 2025. But I, I'm just loving where Star Wars is right now, and I, I'm a huge fan of all the uh, Star Wars series that they've had on Disney+. And, yeah, I'm just excited where 2024 is. So at this point, like, as I said, I'm a huge nerd. If you have any questions about anything that's been on Disney on Star Wars at all, like or anything that I just talked about that you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me know. Well, I can tell you, Jimmy, I did like The Mandalorian. I have started on that, and it's uh, it's not bad at all, actually. I thought, well, my first thought was, oh, this is about Boba Fett. That was my first thought, but I did try it out, and I think I'm like in seven or eight you know, episodes on the first season. And uh, it was a bit slow for me at first, but I think it's catching on. I'll give you that. It's the thing Any- about the, the Mandalorian though. It's, it's not your conventional star Wars. It's not what you would have expected. It would, it started out like the majority of the first season is has nothing to do with Jedi. It has nothing to do with anything other than a bounty hunter during the time of, the Empire, or sorry, the New Republic. So it's it amazed me. The f- first season, the second season, I loved it even more. Third season got a little more nerdy. But the thing with Mandalorian, for those who don't follow Star Wars, you don't need to know Star Wars to have watched The Mandalorian because they do so well on building the characters and you you learn who they are all the way through, even though they have a character called Grogu, um, or you might not know, know his name yet, or everybody knows him as Baby Yoda, but you didn't need to know that there was another uh, character like him in the old And time. he is pretty cute. He is pretty cute. I will say that. I mean, he, he looks at you with those little eyes, and you go, aww. You know, so uh, anybody else uh, follow Star Trek or, or Star, Star Wars? I, I should say Star, Star Wars. Whoa, yo, Bry guy, yeah, Bry guy, you got you got to you got to you got to dial back there, man. Dial back. Don't be, don't be checking yeah, out Trek. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't do Trek and Star Wars in the same sentence and go. Yeah. What do you think of that Star Trek with Luke Skywalker? Okay. I, I, okay. Like, <laughs> I already bent everybody's mind last week with that, Brian. You're using you're using my material. It's like the movie, the movie Fanboys. I love that movie. I oh, got yeah. a question though about Star Wars. Um, like this R two D two character. Whatever happened to him? Because I actually know a woman who's the like who rolls just like fucking R two D two. And I wondered if you could. Whatever happened to that guy? Guy who played him actually passed away, did he? Yes, he did passed he? away a few years ago. Jesus. So, so actually, R two D two. And uh, C-3PO, they actually, in the original movies, they were one of the only characters that were in all nine movies. Um, They, like, even from the prequels all the way up to the sequels. And Kenny Baker originally was the the little guy inside. 
for the movements and making it beep and all that kind of stuff. But as it progressed, like he passed away, uh, I think it was just shortly after the the prequels. So that would have been uh, early 2000s. So, so a lot of it now is, um, you know, remote control and, and, and a lot of it is CGI now, but the thing is, is he, I don't think he's going to go far outside of the, the movies. Like he, of course he was in the animated shows like your clone wars and a little bit in rebels, but he, he's a, a primary character in the original, the, the, as they say, the Skywalker, uh, uh, like legacy, because that's uh, like the, from Phantom Menace all the way to the rise of Skywalker. That was all about the Skywalker family stemming from Anakin Skywalker. So if you were on a, uh, if you were on a Star Wars, uh, game show you'd probably nail it 100 percent. sounds like i'd nail it pretty good um yeah like i i well, know the i know the names of uh, i know the names of the different uh, types of ships i know mm-hmm. like i can actually use and this makes me really i can use all seven forms of lightsaber combat so each uh each uh, there's seven different styles of lightsaber combat i know all seven um, including being able to use uh, both a staff saber and a uh, uh, using two at the same time. So I didn't have a life for a number of years, and I just I just love this stuff. So how many times have you watched all this stuff? I can't count. Um, like when, like when, uh, when the series when the series started. Um, I I didn't do a podcast dealing with the Mandalorian, but going forward from Boba Fett up for all the uh, series that have come out. So that's Boba Fett. That's the that's Andor, Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, Ahsoka, um, all these different series. Uh, I've done a podcast on all of them. So for me to do a podcast and and do a breakdown of each episode, I'd watch the episode three or four times just really? for for the podcast and i've seen each season of these shows several times i it's it's something that relaxes me and being being focused on star on star wars as much as i am helps keep me sane uh like during during covid and you know all this stuff where we were spent a lot of time by ourselves it was a distraction for me it was something to look forward to. It was something that I liked to do. I, at one point, I, just for fun, I wrote a script for my own episode of The Mandalorian. I, you know, wrote an entire scene just because, you know, I needed the distraction. And and focusing on my podcast and the series really, you know, during tough times was fun and it was uh you know a way of venting i guess you can say do you have a lot of star wars paraphernalia in your house and stuff like a shrine almost uh i have i have some toys and stuff like some collectibles i Hmm. i actually have like nine lightsabers but um i have 
two, like I have four that I use, two for practice and two for, uh, you know, choreographed videos if I want to do those. And then I've got some of the old toys and stuff like that. But I, I just like focusing on the idea of Star Wars and just as, as an escape, as, yeah. uh, you know, okay, I had a bad day. Okay, let's watch, you know, Phantom Menace or let's, I'll go through the series, like because, like as I said, the animated series. There was four seasons of uh, Rebels, and then there was seven seasons of Clone Wars. So, and I've seen them all multiple times. Wow. Okay. Are they so, yeah, I, wish, I wish during my ex. Hmm? I was asking, are they? Do you watch them on streaming platforms, or where do you? Uh, uh, all. All that stuff, like anything Star Wars is on Disney Plus. Mm, um, okay. Disney Plus has all their series, like from the live action ones that they've done over the last, you know, five years to the animated ones. And plus I do own like DVD copies of some of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, I never really thought about Jimmy. it as therapy. never really thought about it as therapy, but I'm thinking now of it. It might have been good therapy for me and my ex-wife to grab a couple of them lightsabers and beat each other with that. <laughs> okay, that's that's a totally totally different conversation. Um, oh. I I and I have whips for that, but um, <laughs> whips. <laughs> okay, what's your opinion on? I I know a few guys who are really into Star Wars, and they have some some things to say about this character, but Jar Jar Binks. Uh, totally annoying. I, 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 he, I think they, they were just trying to use him as comic relief because like the prequel movies, because everybody knew where it was going to the end of the Jedi to the start of, uh, you know, the, the empire. And there was a lot of serious stuff that was going on in those movies. You needed an idiot like Jar Jar Binks to kind of, have so not only annoy people so that they aren't focusing on how dark some of the stuff was, but also have him there for you know a quick little laugh. I hated the character; like he really made no sense to me. But, yeah, same here. But he had a purpose, and because they're really dark, like when. Like in the episode three, when Anakin, when the clones go into the temple and kill all the Jedi, including the children, um, that's a really dark scene. And you need a distraction from that so it's not, not horrible for, for kids, I guess. Can I be the Jar Jar Banks of this podcast, Brian? I think you already are, dude. And I've okay. only known I've 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 only I've only known you for like this is the second podcast, and you are the Jar Jar Binks. I'm because I'd I'm, like I would actually feel some honor in that. But it might help. It might help you and I try to you know develop our friendship because we need some fucking help with that man. Uh, <laughs> I think being Jar Jar just makes Jimmy want to beat you more. <laughs> uh, with a lightsaber, probably. I'm probably going to get my ass kicked with a goddamn lightsaber. Hard telling what will happen with that lightsaber, dude. Uh. 
Okay, that got dark really quick. May the lube <laughs> be with you. <laughs> I told you, GM can run her off the rails faster than anybody on the co- on the podcast. And that's I, what poked, Jimmy, I, I that's poked what the bear with point a stick. Is, Brian, that's his point. That's that's the best part. You can do that, and you, we just go in a different direction. So I warned, I warned Jukebox Joy about this too. I warned him uh, specifically, GM. I mentioned specifically. So, so in a good so light. I want to be. G- I, I'm changing my name. I want to be GM Jar Jar. Oh. Jar Jar GM. Jar Jar GM. Jar Jar Blacktop. Jar Jar Blacktop. I want to be the ultimate annoyer. I already am. Yeah, you got that. You got the title. Me, I think so. Okie dokie. So let's uh, let's go on to a different track here with a GM Blacktop song called The Woman Within on Highway Freaks. He said, what do you need? She just looked at him. Twenty years together you think he would clue in And then she turned to walk away He took her by the arm Said, what more can I do? I've done everything for you She said, do you love me at night? Do you hold me tight? Do you listen to me? Do you kiss me when I cry? Do you believe in my dreams? Do you even know me? Do you take the time to pay attention to the woman within? She closed the bedroom door. He stood there in the hall. Reflecting all those years of success in kids' football How could he be so blind? But he knew it all the time What she really needed, he just let slip by He didn't love her at night When she turned out the light Lonely, lonely time he didn't kiss her when she cried He doesn't know all her dreams Or even what she believes He didn't take the time to pay attention To the woman within And now it's too late Tears have dried She's gonna start again She's gonna try to find Someone to love her each night To hold her tight To walk hand in hand For the rest of her life Someone who believes in her dreams And even fantasies Someone who takes Time to pay attention to the one 
Joy Chapman, and I'm Jukebox Joy on here. Brian has asked me to tell you all a little bit about my background, which I'm, I guess, most recently known for, my Guinness World Record, for being the lowest female vocalist in the world, uh, which is kind of funny considering that I'm a little over a hundred pounds and just over five feet, so uh, it's it's an interesting honor to have. I've always sang low since the time I was in grade school. I remember them scaling me in grade two in choir, where I had to uh, scaled up with the girls all the way to the high sopranos and. Uh, then they found out I could go down nice and low, so they're always short on male singers. And that's pretty much where I stayed most of my uh, childhood singing career. Then I went into health and wellness and owned a spa for about 25, 30 years, doing massage therapy, and had a bad car accident. So I ended up eventually closing the spa down and figuring out what else I could do. And since I used to sing, decided I love writing and why not give singing a go. So I wrote an album and I was training my niece on vocals and she thought that was, uh, I always scale off the end of the piano and I just said to her kind of casually, I wonder how rare it is for a girl to be able to, you know, go down that low. And I really don't know how low I can go because the piano ends and I wasn't sure how to measure past there. So she looked it up and she's like, oh, well, the record's only D2. You sing, sing way lower than that. So thus the idea of uh, going for a Guinness World Record was born. So um, I went and did that more as a publicity stunt for my record. But uh, yes, I can scare people and do many, many different voices. So I can sound like a dude when I when I need to, which, uh, you know, fortunately I had two husbands pass on me, so nobody's left. But, you know, you don't want to pull that trick in the bedroom because I, I don't think it does too much for the guys. So, or at least so I've been told. So that's a, a brief history, and then a little later, I will be giving you a rundown on some things to do to help you on the road for uh, keeping you awake and alert and some uh, nutritional advice. I want to ask you, how did you contact the Guinness Book of Records? Like, did they think it was a joke when you wanted to do this, or did they take you seriously, or what? Uh, no, actually, it's a, it's a long procedure. Uh, you have to apply for it. Um, and there was already records set for uh, women um, doing the lowest vocal note. So you apply for it, then you wait for them to get back to you to authorize you to go forward with your world record. Then you have a whole list of all the requirements that you have to go through. And this was during COVID, so it made it a little extra challenging. Um, 
so I have to hire specialists in, so I had to have two vocal experts. So I had one from the universities um, and uh, several engineers. And um, then you also have to have special mics, special equipment. I had to have sonograms that can measure down uh, to show where your vocals are going. Then you have to have a video crew. Um, and then you have to be taped an hour at least ahead of time where the camera can't be off of you. So you can't even go to the bathroom without a camera following you. Um, just to make sure you don't ingest anything. You're not allowed anything other than water. No chewing gum, no candy, no nothing. Um, and then the parameters for doing it were you got a starting note. And then you had to accurately hit every note going down the scale to uh till the note that you wish to achieve but you had to be at least an octave above it um so many things so uh, actually they have a 30 percent fail rate just on paperwork alone so i'm gonna do this because i'm notorious for this you can ask corinne i'm gonna put you on the spot okay. give us your lowest give us your lowest octave sounding sound or sing a note for us in this uh, okay, I can give it a whirl. Now, I will warn you, um, it may not come through because I, I do this live constantly um, and done it on tons of radio shows. I, they actually had me, uh, they did a piece on me even on The Tonight Show. But um, what happens is because I go so low and it's in sub bass, you actually, the mics and things stop making sounds. <laughs> so... Uh, we, we we can see how this goes. Just just sing "Row Row Your Boat" as a good example. There you go. That's the end of the piano. Okay. So well, I would hit it. It was good. <laughs> that, that was good uh, well i'll tell you guys she does an amazing rendition of the sound of silence uh that uh, disturbed did, which of course was originally done by simon garfunkel which we previously talked about but she uh she can do things like johnny cash ring of fire uh and she can sound you know kind of western sounding she imitated me on the yeah, phone when i first right. talked I to her a truck a trucker or, you know, I can sound like a dude if you really want me to. You know, I just pick a note, whatever you guys are in, pick your accent, then I'll just go for it. So there you go. Try try Jimmy. I want to hear, I want to hear you imitate Jimmy. Okay, Jimmy, start talking again. Okay, uh, what do you want me to say? Okay, what do you want me to say? Damn, that's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad, eh? That well. <laughs> yeah. Try GM. Okay, GM, start talking. Oh, he's 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 uh off the mic at the moment. The mic's on Is his he? head again. Yeah. Oh, he's he's on mute. GM? He's he's muted. No, he's back. He's back. That's not bad, isn't it? That's not bad, is it? That's not bad, is it? <laughs> That's not bad, is it? <laughs> okay. 
Try Corinne. Corinne. Okay, Corinne, go. I thought you just uh, imitated guys. I thought you just imitated guys, but no, I can do a girl too. You just tell me where you are and I'll just do you. (laughs) You'll just do her. Jesus. I, I know. Uh, I, I thought it was yeah. wrong when I had my cat. You know, I got her a, 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 a beaver toy, and I was like, "That's all wrong, pussy eating beaver." Okay, are you. Are, oh, oh my! Oh my God! Well, okay. you want to going off I'm rails? Not worst, well, James, right I'm not the worst. How about we here, here, How about how about you give us Bry Guy's intro? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's Bry Guy's intro? Just say hi. This is Brian. Yeah, this is how we are. How we freaks, and we are all messed up or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, I, I have to hear his voice. No, Brian, that would be your cue. He's eating again. <laughs> no, He's eating. I am, eating I am eating again. That's right. I wanted. I want her to try Pav. I wanted her to try Pav. I can do Pav. You you got a little bit more uh, nasality in your voice there, Brian. So you know. Pav, Pav, I would I would be putting a stop to this if I were you. <laughs> I want, no, I want to, I want I want her to try Pav. I just want them to have fun, man. Let them have fun. It's like when you have kids, you know. Fun. Just a little bit of fun with that. That, that. that would be good. A little bit of fun, not much, just a little. I can do Pav better than that. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! This dude, good. Okay. <laughs> And if we, we would be remiss. Said, Thank you, Pam, again. I'm leaving you. <laughs> and we would be remiss if she, she we we can't leave Greg out. So let's see you do Greg. Okay, Greg, start talking. She already tried that earlier. She thought I had some kind she of. She already big... tried that earlier. She just. Hey, I don't sound anything or... like that. I don't sound anything like that. Oh, good God. But that's because we just can't hear our own voices, and that's what happens when you just can't hear your own voice, and then you start hearing yourself back, and then you figure that out. Can you do a Scottish person, uh, Joy? Well, I was asked that the other day. Uh, Again, again, it's, it's like if I start hearing something, then it doesn't take me too long to mimic. I can do a Scottish. Uh, well, I, I can do a. Uh, I, here, here, yeah. You, you like um. Please. A frog. Or do you need something for your Star Wars? Jeez, that sounds like my ex-wife's mother-in-law. Mother, okay. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> well, I, I can, I can do the Martian from Bugs Bunny. Do you want to hear that? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Nice one. Can I do one too? Am I allowed? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There was a there was a there was an elevator in Merry Melodies, and the guy's name was Droopy. Do you remember that guy, James? Uh kind of, yeah. Okay, so he's in the elevator, and the guy gets in the elevator and he goes, giving it, sir. Have a nice day, sir. Oh, droopy right. dog. I do remember that guy. I do remember that guy. Anybody else do impressions here while we're while we're on the subject? Make make a good impression on everybody out here. <laughs> what? I'm the pun queen. Oh. <laughs> Can you do oh, Mae West? I... Can you do Mae West? Joy. 
I don't know a lot of. Again, it's like if I hear something, I can do it. I can do like. It's Mickey. I can do Mickey Mouse if you really want me to. That's good. I want to hear James do his favorite character in Star Wars. He's, I'm sure I, you do it. James. No, I can't. I I don't really? do accents. I don't do really? accents. because oh. uh, if I do, I sound very racist. So I just choose not to because, you know, it could be bad, especially with the fact I'm in radio. I'm trying to figure out how where the Star Wars would be racist. I'm just, I can't wrap my head around it. All my all my accents uh, go. I don't have one, and it just it sounds so bad. And I I'm not going to say what it sounds. I'm not going to say what it sounds like. Because I think but, you did mention that on the last one, last podcast. Yeah, anytime I try it, it sounds like I'm making fun of different uh, ethnicities. How about you, Corinne? Can you do any uh, impressions? I don't know. I've never really tried. Try RTD, R2D2. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> That one you should be able to do. Come a little bit next to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition. Yawn and stretch and try to come to life. That's good. Wow. So, yeah. It I is do, good. Do, do a little bit of everything, but yes, it's it's easier when you have uh, have some music. But, but, uh, but no, no Mae West. You remember Mae West, right? The one that was, you know, once you come up and see me sometime, big boy. Remember that one? Remember, mm. remember how that was how perfect. She, she that was a that? perfect impersonation of Mae West. Right? No, no I, I didn't. I didn't do it that good. Come on, I, I, yeah. I could do it. Yeah, better, I sounded but, just looked like yeah. sounded just like Mae West when you did that. I was, <laughs> I was envisioning her big bosoms and her blonde hair as you were saying it. It was starting to really disturb me. Settle down there, big boy. I could just, you know, warm you right up there, big boy. This sounds like a 1 800 900 line now. It does so. (laughs) Let's go to a break and then we come back. Can you get your phone number, Joy? Sure, big boy. I'd just love to give you my number. Jesus Christ, I'm starting to get flushed. There you go. So we'll come back and Joy will tell you all about her topic in all seriousness. Okay. So this is Desperado Lover from GM Blacktop on Highway Freaks. Somewhere we never get anywhere Chasing on big dreams 
Welcome to Jukebox Joy's Gong Show. So today I'm going to discuss ways for you to help yourselves with some of the biggest challenges you face as truck drivers. There are five areas to help keep your mental health strong so you can stay alert and focused on the road. In 2019, there were 2,122 fatalities due to transportation issues. And this was according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics in 2021. We are going to go into some specifics for actions that you can take immediately to improve your mental focus and avoid these catastrophes. I know what exhaustion feels like driving on the road. When I was having to, my father died and I was looking after him the last five years, I had to pack the entire house. I loaded two 20-foot containers, had to live with one of my managers uh, for several weeks in between getting the place ready out in Calgary to move to. And so after the exhausting of, you know, doing funerals, getting all of that arranged, selling the house, packing it all up, cleaning it up, on the night I worked round the clock and I had to follow my manager to his place, which I didn't know where it was. So I'm just having to blindly follow him after. This was probably at around four in the morning or so when I was finally finished the house. And then people got the keys later that morning. So running close to the wire, under a lot of pressure. And trying to drive at night. I was so exhausted. I was having narcolepsy. I was basically blinking my eyes shut for almost blacking out for just split seconds constantly. I was talking to him the whole time, and I honestly didn't know if I could even make it. So I know what that extreme exhaustion feels like. And I must say, it is as bad as if I were impaired. Um, that. So it's no laughing matter if you get to that tired, do pull over. Um, because, uh, yeah, I've been there, and boy, I wouldn't want to be you guys with a big rig. So studies have found that the most common driving factor, excuse the pun there, um, for these fatalities is actually making more money. The question is, is the money and risk worth your life? How does this ultimately affect your dependents relying on you to bring in a paycheck? From the studies 
done, it, it's clearly showing speeding and risky driving. The moves are done to compensate for the lost time due to your ELD driving limits. Um, so in order to maximize your paychecks. And I, I, I get the pressure that, that you guys are under from your companies to deliver on time, um, being held up by stupid drivers, road conditions. The pressure of that logging clock and the fines if it's not followed. But how many of you remember the old adage, without your health, and I'm going to add an extra line in here, um, or your life, you literally have nothing and are now of no use to anyone. Your health is your wealth. Do you remember the story of the tortoise and the hare who had the race? Do you remember who won the race and why? We all know it was the turtle, at least I'm hoping most of us do. And the lessons was being slow, steady, healthy, and consistent will end up giving you the biggest paycheck in the end. So another question for you guys. How many of you are willing to do what it takes to stay healthy, look younger, and make more money? Are you ready to take that challenge for this new year to commit to making lifestyle changes to make this happen? Now, there's always a little uncomfortableness in adapting to new strategies, as with any great athlete will tell you. I mean, I mean, look at Rocky. I mean, they put themselves through hell. But that uncomfortableness now, as with, will avoid big pain if you don't, unless you like having strokes and heart attacks. Your friends and family really care about you staying healthy and with us, and so we're begging you, if you can't do this for you, do it for all of us that are counting on you. Be the hero of the story and be an example for your fellow drivers. A study published July 22, 2022, found that the high job strain, low physical health, and higher psychological stress levels was directly linked to higher general fatigue, which then translated to greater work-related crashes and fatalities. So what are practical tips that you can use to mitigate the driving fatigue? We need to address diet and blood sugar regulations to avoid food fatigue. We need to address stretching and exercises to cut down on back and body pains, which leads to fatigue. We need to address proper rest and sleeping hygiene so your brain is operating at its best. We need to address stress relief to deal with the increasing fatigue from this stress. Driving tired, you've got to keep in mind, is found to be no different than driving impaired. And there's, you know, we know what happens when you drive impaired. So it's not a laughing matter. I'm going to give you a few quick ways to deal with fatigue and then dig a bit deeper for more long-term solutions. But I cannot express enough, if you're feeling fatigue, best solution is pull over and do a quick 20-minute nap, and no longer than 30 minutes, or it will worsen your grogginess. If you have the time, 90 to 110 minutes will allow for a full REM sleep cycle, so you won't be groggy if you have that much time. Otherwise, keep it strictly to the 20 to 30 minutes. Outside of that, there's a few quick tip ideas. Um, for one, don't eat a heavy breakfast. All the blood goes to your stomach, so please keep that in mind and leave a little blood for your brain. Um, stay away from carbs and sugars, like your donuts and Snicker bars, as sugar is a drug. 
And the more that you consume it, the more you're going to need it to give, keep giving you that high, which is going to result in worse and worse crashes. So it's a vicious cycle. Um, so that's something to avoid. Listen to music you don't like because annoyances will also help keep you awake. Um, keep your cab temperatures a bit cooler. And if it happens to be bitterly cold, um, one suggestion is to actually roll down the window a little bit and put your hand out and try to kind of almost freeze the one hand and that will actually encourage your body to stay awake. If when you get your 30 minute break, don't scroll on your phones, get out of the truck and go for a walk, stretch, get moving because getting that circulation will help your fatigue later. Um, polarized sunglasses so you don't end up with eye strain because the more eye strain that you're going to get, you also will end up with um, more fatigue. Another trick is playing with your eyesight where you utilize your going from trying to see as much peripheral vision and then going to a more focused vision and kind of alternating between the two will actually uh, help you as well. If possible, I know this isn't possible for a lot of times, but try not to flip-flop between day and night driving schedules. If you can stick to one or the other, it will be best for your body. Now, there's breathing exercises that you can do. For energizing, what you want to do is longer and more vigorous inhales. So you want to just get as much uh, air. Also, taking a deep breath and holding it for as long as possible, and then a long exhale will have your body increasing blood and oxygen to your brain for a couple of hours. If you're stressed, do the opposite and think of sighing. <sighs> and so a longer exhale and shorter inhales will give a signal to your body to do relaxation if you're feeling frustrated. Adjust your seat so mineral Minimal pressure is at the underside of your knees before your thigh to minimize your pressure on the back of your legs. Now this would impinge your lymphatic flow and it can also lead to blood clot formation. Shift your lumbar support frequently to change pressure points on your spine. Moving your seat forward to avoid a forward bending position as I've seen drivers do when I'm passing them. Try to sit upright and then mirrors adjusted to properly see without your neck string. With low back pain, if you're small enough, you may need to go to the diet section first. Um, hold the wheel and think of swishing water back and forth in a water bowl. So you're going to inhale, arch your lower back, and let your belly spill forwards as your backside spreads out behind you. Then exhale, and then your sink back into your seat, and then tilt your tailbone up and then feel your abdominals tighten, and that will help stretch that whole um, low back area. Hamstring stretches you can do on the foot of your step of your truck, and then slowly move forward. And some leg raises sitting or standing to help reset your knee joints. Now, here's a big one. How to burn fat without effort. Okay, wake up. Did you hear me? How do you burn fat without effort? Now, there's a new study out from the University of Houston, um, and it highlights the effectiveness of what's called a soleus push-up in burning fat even while seated by engaging a small percentage of muscles. 
The soleus is located in the lower leg and it plays a crucial role. Unlike other muscles, it primarily uses your blood glucose and fats instead of glycogen, making it continuous use without fatigue. Now, Dr. Huberman is a neuroscientist from uh, the University of Stanford and one of my favorite guys to listen to. He discusses how the soleus push-ups can speed up metabolism and improve your blood glucose regulation. This is significant for people who sit for extended periods or who can't exercise frequently. Regular minor exercises like the soleus push-up can lead to improvement in fitness, blood pressure, metabolism, body mass, and your LDL cholesterol. Soleus push-ups involve sitting with your feet flat, you raise your heels while keeping the toes on the floor, and then lowering your heels. The simple movement can be done almost anywhere, and it aids in managing your blood sugar levels and reducing the risk of hyperinsulinemia, and it is especially beneficial for individuals with type 2 diabetes or those at risk. The participants in the study comprised various body mass indexes and ages showed dramatic improvements in blood sugar regulation and metabolism from soleus push-ups despite the muscle's slow size. So on diet, now on the road, it's always hard to eat properly. I get this because I toured. Um, I've slept on the top stretched out on top of equipment in a van with my nose a couple inches from the ceiling and traveling long long distances for hours but I always manage to bring along with us healthy snacks um, so you, packing a cooler ahead of time get on top of it with some healthy options eat before you feel hungry to avoid bad choices, and that includes when you're going to the grocery store. Don't eat two or three hours before sleep. And in healthy snacks, concentrate on nuts and seeds. Now, pumpkin seeds, they're high in antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, healthy fats. They're great for your heart, your immune system. They reduce inflammation. And get ready for this, guys. Promotes healthy testosterone levels. Go get your, go get those pumpkin seeds. And it improves your sperm quality. So, fun little fact. Sunflower seeds are also high in healthy fats, plant sterols, which lower your cholesterol, vitamin B, selenium proteins, and are an energizing seed for all day. So keeping those sunflower seeds beside you is a good thing. Now, don't drink your calories. One or more cans a day have a 26% increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Fizzy drinks, colas, lemonades, energy drinks risk raise your risk of obesity and heart disease. And the researchers, now this is very, very new material. Um, latest research studies, some are done 2022, 2023 even. So it's very, very new. Um, the researchers concluded that the commonly consumed non-calorie sweeteners may not be physiologically inert in humans as previously believed. So the gut microbiome changes can cause spikes in your blood glucose, impairing the body's ability to effectively regulate your glucose levels. John Hopkins University research found artificial sweeteners influence changes in bacteria in both your gut and mouth, and the changes were also identified in blood samples. Two recent trials showed that aspartame may affect your body's concentration of glucose, insulin, and a hormone that reduces appetite and releases insulin. 
So ingestion of artificial sweeteners results in erroneous releases of insulin from the pancreas due to their sweet taste. This increases levels of insulin in your blood and eventually leads to decreased receptor activities due to insulin resistance. So you're going to want to uh, don't drink your calories. That's a huge one. Magnesium is also a very essential element. Um, it's estimated that 60% of adults in U.S. do not consume enough. Um, and it's also with soil depletion and your conventional farming. And this leads to fatigue, muscle cramping, spasms, weakness, convulsions, abnormal eye movements. So it's very important that you get magnesium. It will help your nervous system. It helps with muscle, um, your restless leg syndrome, if you have that. It also helps with your absorption of vitamin D, because I think we're all concentrating on vitamin D for immune system these days. But without magnesium, you cannot um, absorb or retain um, your, your vitamin D levels. And it also helps with calcium staying in your bones. And there's a bunch of different types of magnesium. Um, citrate is good for digestive issues and migraines. It forces water into the bowel, so if you're constipated, Go for your magnesium citrate. Um, magnesium biglycinate, I would say, is the good all-rounder. It's great bioavailability, and it doesn't have a laxative effect. So when you don't want to have to go to the bathroom, stick with the biglycinate form. The latest research on um, a new one called magnesium L3 and 8. Now, that one actually readily elevates levels in your brain and it has the potential to improve your brain function. And a new study on it just out may also help prevent balding. Another interesting one for you guys out there. Um, so you can take mostly at night for drowsiness, except for um, magnesium malate, which has an, is the only energizing form of the magnesium, which will stimulate uh, ATP production, which is the cellular energy for your cells. So the study on the magnesium L-theranate also found that it reverses up to nine years of brain aging in just 12 weeks of ingesting. So that's kind of just a, a few quick things that you can do. And so this is Jukebox Joy signing off and saying nuts to you and keep healthy. Well, there's definitely some things I didn't know there. Uh, anybody got anything to add to that? Well, I do. I mean, being a 30-year guy in trucks and 3 million miler, um, first of all, the, the falling asleep, that's a regular thing. I mean, that's an everyday gig we have to deal with. And one thing you didn't mention in, that about what's happened to this industry and what is creating part of the problems is nowadays because you mentioned the ELD, mm -hmm. some guys that are, you know, all con some some conformists, um, guys like Brian, they like their ELD because it gives them a chance to always have their regular scheduled sleeps and this kind of thing. But for a veteran like me, it's nothing but hell because what you're doing is you're forcing a guy to drive when he's not tired, or sorry, drive when he is tired and sleep when he's not tired. 
Mm-hmm. In the old days, we were able to make a decision when we had to sleep. But now, for example, I run produce. If I'm tired and my ELD is rolling, I can't go to bed. It's that, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. So the ELD was created by white shirts that was looking good for stats, but it's completely wrecked the industry in the sense that it's taken all of the brain power away from drivers. And that's one of the reasons there's so much road rage nowadays, because you're always on this clock that is like winding down in real time, as opposed to a guy being able to work his logbook properly. So all this road rage, all these guys in a hurry, all these guys, you know, rushing in the truck stops and mad because someone's, you know, holding them back or slowing them down, being tired when you're driving, all of these things were all government based pushed on drivers, which I think is a complete shame. And mm-hmm. I, as I a long time driver, it's, it's, it was the worst thing they could ever done. I, and I think some of the studies are actually um, perhaps reflecting that, that it really wasn't doing everything that they thought it was going to do. Well, think about it. Now I'm in a position where if my logbook's telling me I got to go. I got to go. And if I can't sleep because because my logbook's then going to run out of hours and I'm not going to make my delivery, then I can't sleep. So then yeah. they wonder why guys are in the ditch or wiping out cars or falling asleep. When, when Sometimes I, I'm able to run without a logbook. You know, if I get really pissed off, I just yank the thing out of the dash. But, I mean, when you run like that, you can decide how to safely make your trip happen as opposed to the government telling you what's safe and what isn't, which is a complete line of horseshit. Mm-hmm. The only thing I want to add to that, GM, and this is very important, is the 14-hour clock when it starts in the United States, uh, right? In Canada, of course, it's 16. That's when it should stop when you aren't doing anything. There's the problem. If they, if they were allowed to do that, I think ELDs would be pretty good. But you're not allowed to stop that clock. Don't you agree? Right. You could, you could, you could start your clock. And this is the, how crazy what the point he's making is. You could start your clock and then go and lay with your wife for six hours and your clock is still winding down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Is yeah. somebody did they forgot that, Joy. They they needed to say, hey. The driver's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. He's not He's not doing any type of work on his truck. He's resting. That's when the clock should stop. But it continues to run. So when you have to have supper, as in a good example, I try to plan three things at once. I try to do the, you know, get get into the, you know, the, the bathroom, uh, have something to eat, get the dog and fuel the truck. Basically, get it all done. But you cannot possibly do it in that half hour. It's impossible. So that's where you run into the problem because now you're taking an hour, an hour and a half to do those things, and it just eats into your 14-hour clock. So you don't get your – well, especially with the last company I was with, you were lucky if you did 500 miles a day because they had gutless trucks to begin with. And their their e-log system was just terrible. You, you could not do things like uh, use the extra 45 minutes on PC if you had to get to a safe zone. They just made you stop right there in a dangerous area. They didn't care. Okay, they were they're so sticklers for the rules. That's why I left them. It was too much micromanagement. And GM's going to be talking about this coming up on, on his topic very shortly. When you get micromanaged like that, 
you do one of two things. You either panic and some shit goes wrong, or you just say, I've had enough, and you leave. You go somewhere else where you're not, you know, Big Brother's not watching you. Well, yeah. there's a difference between, like, the kind of freight that I haul and Brian hauls, now he's hauling it, and flatbed and, like, hauling wood or whatever. I'm hauling perishables. So if I'm in a position where I have to be in an appointment, because if you don't make your appointment, you might have to wait another day. Your perishables could go bad. You could have a $2,500 fine. So you're talking about that personal conveyance, talking about all these different things. So what do you think a guy like me is going to do that has to make that delivery in Florida at an 8 o'clock appointment or I'm for two days? What do you think a guy like me is going to do? I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to I'm just going to go anyway, or I'm going to yank the damn thing out of the damn the out of the dash and say it broke down. I mean, this is the problem. The government doesn't understand the business and they have no business mandating rules like that. They have no goddamn clue what they're talking about. I agree because they, they do that in other works too, in other jobs too and and I've seen that before in other businesses and it's just it's the people that are making the decisions aren't on the ground floor seeing what the reality is. And so it's not fair for them to impose stuff when they're not there actually seeing what's happening and actually doing it themselves. Yeah. And, and I believe the reason that the trucking industry let them do this shit was because they had people funding different projects with money. You're going to add all, in their print? Money. Yeah, I was just curious. Do you guys know um, these, I'll call it time tracker that you have on the trucks. Was that created by former truckers that moved up to higher no. levels? Or was it no. just straight out white collar guy? That just it was, it was created by people who wanted to control because they have, they have, they had to make an answer. To, to the problem that we were dealing with. And that was basically highway traffic deaths, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you're in a big truck, you're going to kill more people than you are in a car. There's less accidents, but more people mm -hmm. die. So that's how they look at it. So rather than them saying, you know, the, the reason we have these problems aren't just the trucks. Sometimes it's the car. Sometimes, a lot of times it's the car. It could that's be a point. deer. It could be road conditions instead of doing that this is how can we make our constituents vote for me again <laughs> so the politicians decided they were going to just lay it all on the truckers that we were doing something wrong out there with our hours which was making things more dangerous for the general public and they actually got that wa they washed that over and, and got it passed and now the truckers are you know at this at this at this terrible position with uh, the cld thing like, like brian said it's the 14-hour rule what that means is that when i start my day at seven o'clock and do my pre-trip in 14 hours i'm done and that's only 11 hours of driving in the u.s i can only drive 11 but in 14 hours i'm done so if you're at your customer for six hours you're you're done you're, you've just lost your whole day because you cannot log that time off it, it, it keeps a running running total. Like the, the clock mm -hmm. stays ticking. So mm -hmm. this, in answer to your question, no, this was definitely not made by truckers, this ruling, this ELD. 
I don't know no, why it, it, lately on Facebook I've been getting, you get the reels suggested and a lot of them have been dash cams from trucks. And you were mm-hmm. right. So many of the incidents that I've seen so far, it's the vehicles in front that are causing the accidents for the semi. Right. Yeah. People are. So then the semi. The time and, uh, right. Well, so then the semi. The, so then the semi tries to avoid that accident. Yeah. Locks up his brakes, kills five fucking people, and the guy that caused the accident just drives away in his car. Yeah. And the semi and the semi company gets sued. Right. Trucking company gets sued. And that, that's the point I was trying to make is when you're running against that clock, you GM is right. You there is more road rage. There is more rush rush. There is more. Hey, come on, let's. But see, receivers and shippers don't get that. And when they have when they finally get held accountable to get that, then maybe things will change. But unfortunately, they run the roost and we're kind of the second or third person down on the on the totem pole. And that's well, the what problem. happens if I miss that delivery? Not only am I in shit with my boss, but what else happens if all of a sudden three guys from the same company miss their delivery because they're trying to be good boys watching their ELD? All of a sudden, these guys lose their contract with this with this produce company. It could right. it ruins it literally ruins companies. It literally makes them shut the doors because yeah. they they cannot compete with the uh, the time restraints and sometimes. Like when I was running uh, for one company out of Leamington, uh, on Reefer, we would load up at, I'd get out of there eight or nine o'clock. And the rule was I had to be in Montreal by six in the morning. And it barely left me enough time to even get fuel. Plus I had to run all night. And you want to talk about some, some, you know, impaired driving every goddamn night. That was it. Yeah, so we're so we're forced to work all kinds of hours, like GM says. Like especially reefers, your deliveries are usually on the ungodly hours from one a.m. to six a.m. Yep. And yep. that can be really tough on you because you deliver it, but here's your fourteen-hour clock running. And what happens, of course, is you finally got the delivery done, and like GM says, it could be six, seven hours you're there, and now you've chewed up the next part of your day because you don't have that 14 hours to deal with. You've now you have eight hours, which you got to try to get as many miles. And then you get a hundred dollar layover for your trouble. So you're there all day and you get paid a hundred bucks. That's the, the going that's, rate for company. What driver. is that? Five bucks an hour. So this is the one part of, of your spiel joy that I didn't quite agree with is that yeah. when you were putting it on the driver to say, be responsible, you got to make money. You got to be responsible. You know what? You need to talk to the government about that. I think that's a, a very good point, and I, I think we should be after the government, and I think we should all be getting together and getting that changed. Yeah, because it's not it's 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 a may, it's mayhem. I I've noticed the I, I road rage out here, and and people are rude out here. They're parking anywhere they ha- where they can. They're rude. They're 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 short. Your people are mad at the fuel allowance. What you got? What you guys are going through, or right. the limitations of the of the ELD? Because they don't they don't even yeah. make that clear in the thing. Because I yeah. didn't know that they run all the time. Because I'm going yeah. like, well, that's just stupid. Yeah, and you can well, go like home buying... and make love to your wife for six hours, and you're on the clock. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like buying my truck was was a decision that was kind of somewhat, I'm not going to say forced upon me, but it was kind of like my last resort. I, I don't have 3 million miles like GM. I'm probably closer to 2 million. But I've been doing this now for 28 years. And 
I was just tired of, of all the, the rules, the rules, the rules, the rules. And they were just rules that didn't make sense. And they were trucks that we were driving that were, were breaking for you. And you were doing courses that were redundant. They were stupid courses. They didn't have nothing to do with truck driving. So finally, I just said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to do my own thing. So, you know, starting next week, I'll be working for Turk Enterprises out of St. Andrews, Manitoba. I'll be not making my usual, what I was making with Bison at the time. I was uh, up to 65 cents a mile. Now I'm on owner operators. Now it's a different, completely different way of thinking. So yep. now every dollar, every minute counts. So you got to, you got to watch, do, do I choose to idle that long? Or, you know, I bought an extended warranty on my truck and there was a reason I did. And thank God I did, which I'll talk about. But all of these things led me to finally say, I've had enough. I want my own truck. I'm tired of driving people's junk. I'm tired of, of having repairs that don't get fixed. Now I'm responsible for all of that. So it all goes exactly what GM saying that, that some of these rules were made by bureaucratic people. And a lot of it was done at election times. I mean, look at what yep. we tried to do. Look what they tried to do with the blockades. They did, they went about doing it wrong but they yeah. still got nowhere. And now just recently, if you haven't heard the news, all that stuff that happened in Ottawa is now going to be thrown out. They mm -hmm. actually said that the government did wrong. And do you think Trudeau and his idiots are going to be held accountable for that? No. no. Well, I was just going to mention accountability. Uh, I'll give you a little story about accountability. What the truck driver is accountable for, well, is everything. Being there on time, not wrecking the truck, not killing anybody, not driving the truck too harshly, uh, maintaining it to make sure that nothing's going wrong with it. But nobody else, the shipper or the receiver or the dispatch or the owners or the insurance companies, nobody is accountable for nothing except the driver. And there's something wrong with that too. Yeah. I, I I agree. Some changes definitely need to be me made there because I I'm the same way. I'm I'm okay of following rules if they make sense, but when they don't make sense, I can't follow rules. I and that's yeah, why it's I terrible. Yeah, yep. it's it's a terrible thing, and, and unfortunately, the rules are being made by people that have no business making those rules. Right, Brian? He's right, GM. I agree. So. Excellent topic, Joy, and uh, I, I like the insight that you had on on some yeah. of those things for for drivers. I absolutely did. Like listening to a bad song or listening to a bad radio station. Never thought of that. Never thought of that one minute. I do have a boy that keeps me up, and uh, I I do a little things to keep awake and stuff. But uh, I'm like GM. We run all different hours, and we just kind of try and roll with it because. Unfortunately, I don't think the e-log rules will ever change. In fact, if anything, I think they're going to get worse, if yeah. you can believe that. Is that possible? Well, I learned, uh, I learned something oh, from yeah. Joy, that, that whole leg exercise, you know, the up and down on the heels, I'm going to do that. Because up to now, what I've been doing when I go down the road to stay awake is I, I try to do towel exercises with my penis. And mm -hmm. after a while, it gets kind of old. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I thought he was going to talk about Kegel exercises. <laughs> <laughs> GM, oh, you're something else, man. You know. <laughs> Oak the bear with a stick. Yeah. I didn't even know Jimmy's still on here. So 
I thought Jimmy's time for bed. So, um, and uh, by the way, if you uh, like Jimmy's topic tonight, he will tell you more about it on his own podcast. Well, I got you on here. You can uh, tell everybody what your podcast is about, Jimmy. Uh, mine is basically everything Star Wars. It's called the Jedi Jimmy podcast. You can find it um, on the locker room page on YouTube or it's on everywhere like a, a, a Spotify, all all your usual jazz. And it's just the Jedi Jimmy podcast. And it's just a midget talking about Star Wars. Sorry, little person. Right. So, so tell me, how can you be a huge fan? Ha ha ha! Okay, wow, that, wow, wow. that that almost. <laughs> Jimmy, that's worse. That's worse than anything I've ever said. Just so you. Know. Uh, no, you've been a lot worse, dude. Um, I have. Because only a little bad. Yeah, it. I think it almost went over my head. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's as old See, as his pet dinosaur. I think it's as old as his pet dinosaur. That's what I think. So yeah. there you go. All right, so let's go to another topic here. First of all, we're going to play a classic song. Uh, it's called Love Don't Wait for a Rainy Day. And um, this is a duet that you did with uh, yeah. a young lady, right, GM? What was her name? Correct. Galley Fever. Right. Then she was part of your band at one time? Correct. Yeah, she's got a great voice. So we'll let you guys yeah. listen to this. And when we get back, Corinne will tell you what her traveling topic is all about. Right here on Highway Freaks. I didn't know Wanting to go I didn't see You stop loving me somewhere along the way. Somehow we lost a flame. Love don't wait for a rainy day. Your heaven was hell And I didn't believe That you would have brought me To
Love don't wait for a rainy day talk about travel and sharing one of my probably most frightening experiences on uh, riding one of my motorbikes on the road and it was actually even more scarier than when I crashed racing on on a track. So on one of my first uh, motorbike adventures exploring California part of the trip itinerary was to spend a few days camping in the Leggett area and to use that location as a home base. And each day, a different area would be picked to ride out and to go exploring. So home base, that trip was at a campground just before Leggett, right alongside Highway 101, or the Redwood Highway, as it is also known as. It, uh, it was a very be-at-one-with-nature experience, tenting amongst and under the branches of the massive Redwood trees. Looking up, it appears that they, the trees went on forever reaching for the sky, and from the ground you, you could not see the treetops at all. One thing that was extremely surprising at this campground was that even though the weather had been lacking rain and the forest floor was bone dry, campfires were not banned. The California officials did not seem to be interested in protecting the redwood forests, and we hear about California fires every year, just like here in BC now, and pretty much everywhere for that matter. 
This area of Northern California is home to a number of state parks, reserves, and recreation areas all revolving around the redwood forests. These places include Richardson Grove State Park, John B. DeWitt Redwoods State Reserve, Smythe Redwoods State Reserve, and Standish Hickey State Recreation Area. To the north of Leggett is the Humboldt Redwoods State Park, and all of these are accessible off of Highway 101. While on my trips, I like to check with campground staff and the locals for advice and suggestions on what the must-sees are in the area or what is exciting to check out so that we don't miss out on anything. Two attractions were highly recommended, the Avenue of the Giants and Black Sands Beach near Shelter Cove. I had never heard of uh, Avenue of Giants until arriving to the campground, so I was appreciative that the staff gave a map and of the entire area and pointed out this tourist attraction that we needed to check out. The Avenue of the Giants is a 31 mile long road that runs parallel to Highway 101. As you wind your way through and in between the Giants, there are many attractions to stop and check out along the way. Approximately midway, there's a visitor center or interpretive center with information to learn about the area and the Redwoods. If you're into hiking, there are many trails to explore coming off of both Highway 101 and the Avenue. Being in motorcycle gear though, makes it a bit trickier to do the hike, so I did not get to extensively explore the, the trails on that trip. And of course, there are a few hollowed out redwoods to walk through, or drive your car, or ride a motorcycle through. And yes, some charge a fee to do this and to get a picture. And of course, I had to do the tourist thing and get a picture of me on my bike inside one of the trees. There are also themed trees along the Avenue of Giants, like the chimney tree, which was hollowed out by a fire in 1914. And beside the chimney tree is a small restaurant called the Chimney Tree Grill that served absolute delicious burgers. There is also an eternal tree and a shrine drive through tree. And the immortal tree is reported to be around a thousand years old and has survived lightning strikes, fires, floods, and axe-wielding junior Paul Bunyans who seem to take after the tree. The biggest redwood along Avenue of the Giants is simply named Giant Redwood, standing at a height of 354 feet and has a circumference of just over 53 feet. So if you're ever traveling that area, I do highly recommend making time to explore Avenue of the Giants. It's absolutely fascinating how much history is within the forest and you get the feeling and, and the look of the area like there should be some dinosaurs come crashing out from between these massive redwoods. Next to explore on that trip was Black Sands Beach by Shelter Cove. Getting to these two destinations is quite the experience and not for the faint of heart. If you have a weak stomach susceptible to car sickness, you might want to take some gravel before heading out. From Redway, California, you take Riceland Road, Riceland Thorn Road, and then Shelter Cove Road. The distance is just under 25 miles, but it takes at least 45 minutes depending on traffic and your comfort level as a driver. The road is extremely twisty, windy, with insane climbs and descents. That's all great on a motorcycle unless you catch up to traffic and can't pass, like with what happened next. 
So this ride was going great. Um, the road was amazing for being on a bike and I was a fairly new rider at the time. So it was an awesome learning experience. But that was going to go sideways. We caught up to, I was riding with my uh, boyfriend at the time. And uh, so we had caught up to a car and a gravel truck pulling a flat deck trailer. There was no safe places to pass because of all the curves and twisties. So all you can really do is just sit back and, and ride it out till you can. And we got to a point where the road almost looked like a vertical wall ahead of us. And as we were riding along, I noticed an off-road on the right, and there was some sort of a sign with RVs, but you couldn't really read the writing on it. And so I started to question in my mind if this gravel truck should have been on, on that off-road. And I thought, well, maybe the driver had experience and he's gone straight through before. So he got about a third of the way up and slowed it right down to barely a crawl. And the car that was right behind was able to scoot around and continue on. And then the truck stopped. And my uh, ex-boyfriend was on the inside of the lane and he had just enough uh, room to maneuver around the trailer and continue on up the, up the hill, up the mountain. I was on the outside of the lane and kind of got trapped. Uh, I didn't have enough room to maneuver my bike around the trailer to the left, and there was no shoulder on this road on the right. And uh, being stopped, it was that drastic of an incline makes it even more difficult to get going because this was beyond what they call a hill start because of the, the degree of incline. And then the, tra the gravel truck and the trailer started to roll backwards towards me. And so I was laying on my horn. I tried rolling back as much as I could, but there was a car right behind me. Traffic was all lined up. And I had visions of this trailer and truck rolling back over me and my bike. And that would have definitely been a battle that I would have lost. And I was debating bailing off the bike, just jump off and leave the bike. And there was, in the end, there was only about like one or two feet between my front wheel and the, the end of the trailer. And there was a guy came running from one of the cars behind me and he uh, was yelling at the guys in the, in the truck to stop. So they managed to stop the truck and trailer from rolling and traffic behind me was finally backing up. So I was able to roll farther back so that I could do my hill start and get, get the hell out of there and uh, out of danger. And uh, riding to Black Sands Beach, I was like literally shaking in my boots because <laughs> I was so scared that I was going to get backed over from this truck. But the beach was 100% worth the drive. It was such a magical, unique place. Um, the color contrast with the black beach and the blue water was absolutely spectacular. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, it's not a fine sand like a white beach. It resembles more small rock. And I had noticed um, comments online, reviews, to not walk barefoot there as the rock was sharp and could cut your feet. And while looking out from the viewpoint, I got to see uh, a mama sea otter and her pups run across the beach and head out to the ocean, which was very cute watching them all play together. And Shelter Cove isn't a huge place, but within the town, there are numerous shops, restaurants, and a pub to check out. And there is also Cape Mendocino Lighthouse that you can go and, and, and view. And so riding out of Shelter Cove, 
I thought to myself, just relax and enjoy the ride back. And so just outside of Shelter Cove, and uh, there's a general store. And just before that, we rode up to a traffic flagger. And he says, oh, you're on bikes. And I'm like, okay, you're kind of stating obvious, like wondering what's going on. And he advised us to be extremely careful because around the next curve, there was gravel all over the road, covering the entire road. So sure enough, the truck and trailer that had almost backed over me had lost his brakes and he crossed over our lane and crashed into the side of the mountain, leaving like a marble mayhem all over for us to ride through. So thankfully we did not leave the beach any earlier because we could have ended up in his path as he crossed over the lane and hit the mountain. So the rest of the ride back was uneventful and enjoyable, thank goodness. There was plenty, that was plenty for, for one day to deal with. And uh, I was a fairly new rider on that trip. Um, I've been riding for almost 10, or 10 years now. But that day I learned a valuable lesson that I still carry with me to this day when I ride, even after almost, I've got almost 100,000 kilometers of seat time, is to constantly scan your area as you ride, think and look ahead and always, always give yourself an escape route out of a situation. So have any of your panel members been in that area or to those locations? No, I would I would love to go out and see the redwoods, that's for sure. Mhm. Mm oh, they're beautiful. I've 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 seen uh, there was a documentary about one of them and there's pictures of of one of them, one of the biggest ones out there where they have they took a took a special camera and took pictures almost like in slices all the way down and made a giant picture of it and you can within the tree you can see all the climbers in different spots and it's, it's mm -hmm. really really cool mm -hmm. yeah I've, I've been to the the redwoods when i was a, a child and i remember those uh those big trees they were pretty awesome and taking pictures in them and on them and yeah they're so majestic mm-hmm Oh, they're gorgeous. That was quite the trip you had. Yes. I, I can't imagine. I, I did some motorcycle riding when I was uh, younger. I remember my parents got one. I was probably about nine or so. And they bought a Suzuki TS-100. <laughs> and I, I remember them. They didn't want me riding it, so they said I couldn't ride it unless I could pick the bike up. Well, yep. there was no way I was not going to ride that bike, so I picked it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to do some riding years ago, and yeah, man, yeah, you gotta you gotta have good situational awareness because oh, there sure. are stupid people out there. Yeah. And, and not even, sometimes it's just a situation you're put into like I was with that, with that crap. Yeah, I had a, I had a triaxle dump truck pull out in front of me and, uh, I, I swerved around him on the, on his, it'd be his passenger side and I was close enough, I punched his fender. Oh, wow. At the time, I never thought I could have maybe just rode right up on that trailer instead of the chance of getting run over. 
So with the uh, incident with the gravel truck, mm-hmm. do you have a fear of big rigs now, Corinne? Um, not, not really. I mean, I'm cautious around them. Like I've, I've talked to you guys before. I always make sure that I position myself where I can see the driver's face or, or they can see me. And when I'm passing, I go way out and stay back so that I'm visible. I hope you okay. don't blow a tire. Yeah, and I watch for the tires because yeah, I have had not an outside one on a the tra- the back of the trailer, but an inside one that was flipping. The rubber was flipping around when I've passed. So well, and you also said she also said that she crashed on a track, GM. So that must yeah. have been a little more intense. Oh yeah, I, for sure. I used to supermoto race, and yeah, I had a crash um, during a race on a corner. The, 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 the truck thing was still more scary than that crashing at the racetrack. Wow. I experienced well, a phenomenon when I was in the Philippines. In the Philippines, I, I rode a motorcycle the whole time I was there. I bought one and I rode one. And what's interesting about that is the traffic is 25 times the amount of traffic to deal with now. There are no stop signs. There are no stop lights. And the reason that there are no accidents accidents but the reason there's not many accidents is because everybody is forced into defensive driving yep. where here because of the rules defensive driving is something that not everybody practices now as a truck driver i definitely do as a bike rider you probably do but yep. that was the, the phenomenon that i experienced with no lights no stop signs and everybody go along and I, I even drive the same way with my truck when i'm out driving around um, not on my motorbike. I still drive defensively. Well, and the same can be said for, for kids these days, too, because the more you protect them and they're not doing things, the worse it's getting. Yeah. Well, as always, love your traveling to- topics, and we look forward to a lot more. Uh, for those that uh, don't know, Corinne is on Vancouver Island. They call it the uh, paradise of Canada, although sometimes it can be pretty shitty weather, can it? Oh, yeah. It has its, it has its moments. <laughs> Storm watching. That is it's true. It's a great thing over there. Pardon? Storm watching. It's a great thing over there. Well, yeah. If you're inside, it, it's great. <laughs> I work outside part-time, so it kind of uh, sucks when I have to go out in the weather. Yeah, that would. I just moved right. from in that area, so. Yep. Yeah, it, it sucks when you. Sorry. I agree with. I said it sucks when you have to move from Vancouver Island to Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why, but I, everything that. happens for a reason, right? I've gone from the oh, island yeah. to Saskatchewan and back again. I can tell you this: if I never would have moved from Vancouver Island, we wouldn't have this podcast. So I could tell you that. So uh, everything happens for a good reason, right? Definitely. So. That's absolutely true. Okay, so I have got a topic coming up next. Uh, I'm going to play a GM Blacktop song again. This is called Thousand Miles from Tennessee on Highway Freaks.
The stars are out over Nashville tonight A woman there sitting by herself Waiting for a sign The moon looks like it's smiling So why is she feeling like crying? With her life And she's dreaming Leaving But someday her love Riding to her right And she's praying So we're back, and um, I would be remiss to tell you that uh, if you want to get a hold of us, or you've got a comment, or you want us to do a topic that you think would be uh, roadworthy, uh, you can email us at theroadcrew2022 at gmail.com in care of Bry Guy, your host. And um, I will take it up with all my road crew. And uh, if we feel that it's uh, not related to religion, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, as the saying goes, well, the rock and roll is okay. Uh, then uh, we'll probably put it on. You'll probably find that in a future visit. We like to call them visits because we like you to visit us by listening to this uh, once in a lifetime original podcast. You'll never catch one like it. 
And believe me, I've listened to a lot of trucker podcasts out there. So um, I want to talk about warranties, but I've got a little story first. So after taking Adrian to Freightliner and Red Deer on Monday of this week to have the automatic idle shutdown deleted, and I'll tell you why I wanted it deleted. GM, you probably know why I wanted it de- deleted, but basically why is if you get caught in a deep freeze or in the uh, summer when you've got your air conditioning, you are forced to idle the truck. And well, that's why, because the idle shutdown shuts off in about 15 minutes after you're parked. Actually, some of them are shorter than that. So I thought about that. I thought, well, I got to get rid of this. So I'm on my way back from Black Falls. I've just dropped $200 to get the idle done. And the check engine light comes on and another warning light comes on saying basically that there's a problem with the after treatment problem, power and speed limited. I knew right away that was deaf. It had the deaf picture on it. And I thought, oh, here we go. Um, Because generally with those trucks in those years, your problems generally aren't in the motor. They're usually in the emissions system. So I knew right away I had a problem. So I get home and I think maybe it's going to go away. (laughs) Positive thinking. I gave a call to John Morin. A service advisor back at a New West Freightliner. I'm giving him a plug because this guy was heads and tails above everybody when it came to service. Uh, I mean, I've just been there for two hours. And then here I am three hours later going back. So he tells me to drop it off and they got to put it on the diagnostic code computer or the scope as they call it and find out what's wrong. So then I realized something that I had purchased prior to my truck, which was the warranty. It was a $5,000 extended one year bumper to bumper warranty on my truck, which in layman terms basically means everything's covered on my old girl for a full year from the date of purchase. And what happened is the next day I find out what it was. And it was kind of my suspicions. A brand new def pump is needed. As the original of three years was fried, dead, had to be replaced. So as it turned out, $2,500 bill gets presented to me. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I have a warranty. And he said, oh, you do? I said, yeah. So unfortunately, I didn't know the process of how to go about it. Basically, is you call Pride Truck Sales Warranty Department first before you even get in to the Freightliner dealership. And then you kind of, you're kind of, I was putting the horse before the cart, right? Or the cart before the horse as it goes. So the fine people at Pride Truck Sales, they got on it and they not only approved all the repairs on Adrian, but they also waived my $1,000 deductible as well. That's right, guys. I got it fixed for free. No charge. So I thought I really want to tell people about this. I want to talk about warranties because I am a good example of it. If you buy an older big rig, as I did, and you're an owner-operator, you can get an extended warranty. Usually if it's 2020 to 2023. Now, I was just listening to a podcast this morning, uh, a trucking podcast, and a trucker actually did this. He had a 2016 to 2017 Kenworth T680 in 2019. And he had major engine failure after a few months. And his bill was $32,000. But he purchased a two-year extended warranty when he bought it. So that was covered. So in the end, though, 100,000 miles later, 
because the shop had overhauled the engine, they screwed it up. Packard dropped another rebuilt engine in it, and he, if he didn't have the two-year bumper-to-bumper warranty, would have put him out of business. For the extra money you buy on the lease or purchase price of a used truck, you'll pay. I don't really think you can go wrong springing for it because I'm telling you, in my case, it would have crippled me. It, uh, you know, just getting started. I mean, I haven't even started the job yet, and then this is happening, right? So having an extended warranty on used big rig trucks takes the additional worries off your mind by alleviating the high dollar engine value and makes basically this a non-issue. So make sure you get an extended warranty. That includes, I might add, towing service. If you break down, you're looking at about a $1,000 tow, right, GM, or more? At least. Oh, yeah. GM, oh, yeah. Sometimes more than yeah, that. Yeah. So, so if, you, uh, if you get some of that towing cost covered, that would be great. Now, a lot of warranties don't do it. I was very fortunate to get a warranty that at least covers half. So that's not too bad. Um, another thing is because I could only get the one-year warranty, it's because the year of the truck and the miles on the truck. That's why. Don't don't kid yourself. I was looking to get a three-year warranty, and I couldn't do it. Then I tried a two. Nope. So I only get, ended up getting a one. But still, at least I'm covered for the first year of uh, owning my truck. So if you're buying a used rig, make sure you spend the extra money on the dyno before you actually buy the truck. That tells you the condition of the motor, the pounds of the blow-by. Uh, that's where the horsepower should be, or if it's low like a worn motor, as an example. And dynos aren't cheap, but you know what? For 250 to $300 that you're spending just to look at a truck for measuring horsepower, you need to have that checked, as well as oil samples. Just another word of advice. Keep in mind, a lot of extended warranties on a used big rig are generally from 2000 to 2023. You're not going to get one if you're buying a 1997, you know, Freightliner or Kenworth or Peterbilt. It's just ain't going to happen. So they usually happen within the third, first three to five years of, of uh, newer trucks. Okay. And that usually covers parts of the engine, but not the labor all the time. So also make sure your warranty will cover things like transmission and rear ends. Very, very important. Okay. Um, make, make sure you're, you're reading all the fine print. A lot of people don't. Okay. And that's where they run into mistakes. Like Corinne, you had a story about that. Do you care to just elaborate before I go on? Yeah, sure. Um, when I bought my current uh, GMC Sierra, they of course offer a warranty packages you have a few different ones to pick from and uh this my truck's a 2018 it had 146,000 kilometers on it so i did want some sort of a package for it and my lesson i learned is don't look at the price of the packages first look at what each one offers first to match it to what you're wanting to have covered while you own that vehicle and then look at the price after I I would have I went not with the lowest one I went with the mid-range one and I think if I would have thought through it a bit more because they kind of pressure you too you're kind of on the spot in that moment um you're in the finance office and it's like okay well here's for this and here's for that like they're just throwing stuff at you um I probably would have gone with a bit better of a package in the end if I would have had some time to think about it so because the, the upper ones had a few more things I would have liked to have had covered on my truck right Right. Very good food for thought. Um, keep in mind, if you're buying a used rig, 
go through or have a certified red seal mechanic who you know and trust i have my stepson matt uh he's uh he's got a business called mdm mechanical here in uh in uh lacombe uh just outside of lacombe as a matter of fact and you know take him with you or take her if she's a mechanic as well pay them with gas money beer pizza whatever get something to for their time uh take oil samples from the engine transmission and both differentials why would we do that gm To make to make sure that there's nothing is not burned, and it's not uh, have any filings in it. Right, because if it has filings in it, you don't want the truck, right? Right, right. Okay, and if the seller doesn't allow you to do that, walk away. Doesn't matter what the truck's like. Doesn't matter what the price is like. Walk away. If the seller refuses to hold the truck for you with a non-refundable deposit walk away if it's refundable and you can get your samples and you get time to process them great having a dyno might be a bit of a challenge because the seller if the seller doesn't allow it again walk away from the truck if they won't let you do a dyno they're hiding something okay expect to pay for a fee okay it's going to probably cost you around 250 dollars so you might even have a fee for a bobtail tow at the very least or possibly a security deposit but know that if you're going to buy a truck you're going to still invest money so why not invest a little bit of money checking out the truck first okay if you can buy a pre-emission truck that's great it's a great idea you'll save yourself thousands of dollars at the time that you own and drive the truck however if you cannot like me and the company that you contract to or work for doesn't allow it then get the extended warranty to cover the def system for god's sakes the parts and the components included a lot of your repair shops will not do any work on your truck without replacing repairing enabling the def system to fully function properly first if law enforcement notices your truck has been illegally modified this can turn into a gigantic financial mess with tens of thousands of dollars in repairs to make that truck legal mandated by a court plus whatever penalties you're responsible for due to owning and operating the truck i know of a story recently of a owner operator that did this he thought he'd be smart he thought he'd get rid of all the emissions on the truck well he traveled to ontario guess what happened to him he got screwed blued and tattooed not only did they say no we're not allowing you to be in this province they towed his truck his rig out of the province at well over thousands of dollars okay and he also faced it uh, court time as well in fines so you might think it's a great idea but if you can't get away with it or if you're going into a state or province that won't allow it don't do it it's not worth it okay i know a lot of people i've never been tested i haven't in 27 years i've never had a truck tested for emissions there's always that first time don't play the odds guys because you will lose guaranteed so let's ask the question what is a commercial truck warranty it's a written guarantee from the manufacturer or third party that basically states that they will pay to replace the specified parts or major components of your rig if it fails over a certain time period or mile range essentially warranties help affect major financial risk a breakdown can pose for an owner operator or fleet owner now when your truck needs service service provide 
verifies your coverage and lets you know which parts or repairs are covered by the warranty and what you'll need to pay out of pocket. Typically, two types of warranties, the OEM or Original Equipment Manufacturer Factory Warranties or the Extended Warranty. We'll get to that in a minute. The OEM factory warranty offered by the brand at no extra cost when a truck is first purchased and covers any early issues with specified parts, components, and systems. The coverage typically lasts for a set period or until a certain number of miles are driven on the truck after it's purchased. Usually that varies depending on the OEM model and the year of the vehicle. Slowly, you should basically, or I said, I said you should sell the truck while the warranty is still in effect if you can and if you want to. Uh, but if you can't, the remaining coverage would be transferred to the new owner. That way you get higher resale value. That's what I was trying to point out there. But make sure you understand exactly what the warranty covers and where you'll be able to get service should you need it. In my case, I have to go to Pride Truck Sales Repair Shops uh, like if I'm in stranded down in the States and something happens in the Canada, different story. I would probably go to my stepson uh, that's uh, sitting in Lacombe and I would have him service my truck. But if I can't, I will go to a pride truck repair shop and get the work done. Okay. Typically it covers new factory parts, but you may be required to visit the truck dealership for service. Like I said, that's a good deal of the extended warranties that won't cover labor to replace parts as well. So keep that in mind. Make sure you read all of the fine print, Corinne, on extended warranties, which covers and is not covered. The cost of a one-year, two-year, and three-year warranties varies. If you can get them due to the years on your truck prior to the miles driven by previous owners or companies, that's a great idea. You're probably looking at four to $5,000 for one year, and it goes up from there records on used trucks used to be looked at and you need to check the Carfax on the big rig. Make sure your deductible kind of coincides with the repair cost of the year of your truck you purchase. In my case, I got an older truck, so my deductible's higher, but I'm not paying as much for a warranty. So I'm paying a $1,000 deductible as a good example. And in, and in this case, when they needed the def pump to be replaced, they waived the deductible so they can do things like that. Okay, not always, but in this case, Pride did, and I give them full kudos. They, they stand by what they sell. Okay. Does the extended warranty include labor and diagnostic time to find out what's wrong with the truck? You can get charged for them to just go on the computer and find out what's wrong with the truck. Okay, that can be a charge. Okay, and it's not labor. It's called diagnostic time. Okay, they tried to nail me for $800 diagnostic time. And in the end, Pride said, nope, nope, everything's covered. So generally, a truck is good for about 700,000 to a million miles before a complete rebuild or replacement of the engine, tranny, or major components take place. Keep that in mind. Okay, uh, you always hear, oh, I drove my truck for a million and a half miles and everything was great. Bullshit. Okay, things are going to go wrong with that truck at a million miles. They might even go wrong at 700,000. Okay. It's a crapshoot when you buy a used truck, but make sure you get as much covered as possible. So does anybody got anything to add to my warranties on trucks? I do. I knew you would. Yep. So this is the biggest problem with any truck, with any warranty, with any owner operator. If you, for example, go in, let's just say you're going in for a diner just, just for argument's sake, you go in for a, a dyno and brakes, or let's say it's a $1,500. And you call them up on Thursday and they say, okay, bring it in Monday. And then they have it till Thursday or Friday. 
uh, or they couldn't get it in until Thursday or Friday. So now you're seven days later. So your bill is 1500 bucks, and your lost revenue is 6500 bucks. That's the danger about guys getting too warranty happy. They don't realize that every time they shut that thing down, they're losing money and a lot of it. And that's the thing I'd say, if you're going to have a warranty, you wait till you have two or three or things that can't be overlooked. Because every time you go down and lose four or five days, you've just lost four or five grand. And that's a lot of money to lose just because your truck's not working. I, I do agree with that. But in my case, I had to repair that def pump. You know that. Yeah, no, I like agree. I'm not saying you particularly. I'm just saying just as a buyer, as, as, a, as a word of caution for people that have good warranties, make sure you utilize that because it's not the cost of the product. And unless it's an in-frame, then it's 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand. But if, 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 you're, bring, if you're losing five grand for a $500 repair, then you're not doing anything right unless that repair is necessary. Right. I agree. Okay. And in my case, uh, I was treated fairly. Uh, I think the warranty I have is I, I was wondering if it, it basically yeah. held water and it sure did. Probably will. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, and as long as you're aware that your biggest loss isn't going to be anything but lost time and you, and you organize your repairs so that you can try to get as little lost time as possible. Because I know that when people, and I've been, I've been down this road too, but what happens when you want a new truck, you always want everything perfect all the time. And what can happen is you can end up giving yourself $10,000 of lost revenue in a month because you wanted everything perfect all the time. Not you, I'm right. just saying general. Yeah, I mean, you're a good example because yours just started costing you quite a bit of cash, didn't it? Yeah, 50 grand last year. Oh. And that was a rebuild? Nope, that wasn't just that's deaf. That deaf was the deaf system? Deaf system and 10 other things, which is why if I ever buy another truck when I sell this truck, it's going to like the one I'm driving now is that Blue Peterbilt and it's a 2003 pre deaf. That's why I would go to a pre deaf as long as the finance company will let me. Most of them won't let you buy an old truck. But if you can find one that does, then you're way better off to get something pre-deaf without all the emissions because uh, it, the deaf is, is, is another, it's kind of like the ELD. Whoever invented the deaf clearly didn't know how to what they were thinking. No, I, and I agree with you because a lot, they're saying a lot of the issues on the older well, trucks are the after treatment system, the deaf. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And I that's know what's my, my, that's what's bogging everything down. If, if it wasn't for that death problem, you wouldn't have three week waits at all these places. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Some, sometimes uh, they try to do something and well, I don't know. First of all, my stepson actually told me that, you know, they call them grass burners because my, my exhaust is underneath the truck. Everybody knows that. Yep. Or if you don't, yep. it is. Okay, it doesn't have a stack. But now what they're discovering is the new trucks, they're actually being ordered with stacks or they're coming with stacks because they discovered it's not as good for the environment. GM, isn't that interesting? And they cause fires, by the way. They're great for grass fires. There's a reason they call them grass burners. So no off-roading. 
Yeah, you'd know that, right? It's, it's no different than quads. You get a lot of quad fires, right? Yeah. Same yeah. idea. Big, the closer... Yeah, yeah, exactly. The closer the exhaust is to the ground, the more likely the fire. Go figure. I have a question yeah. about your warranty. Sure, with absolutely. Big rigs. So are you allowed, like with each time you pay your deductible, are you allowed to fit as many repairs under that one charge on the deductible? Or do you have to pay your deductible for every issue that's repaired at the same visit? No, no, it, it, it all depends the severity of the repair. So if there's two that really needed done, that mm -hmm. like I, when I had it taken into Freightliner there in Red Deer, there was a recall on the brake modulator valve. So they, uh, they, they fixed that at the same time. Now, that didn't cost me anything because recalls never cost you anything. But yeah, in that case, company. yeah, so the, but in that case, I had that done. And then mm -hmm. I had the def pump uh, fixed as well. But prior to that, Corinne, uh, I had to put new batteries in the truck, okay, because they were all shot, they were all fried, okay. Mm -hmm. um, I had to put new oil, okay. It, it, the oil was like freaking molasses, okay. Oh, and, you know, um, again, having someone who's got connections in the business, what normally I would have paid probably $1,500, $2,000, I paid well under $1,000 for that. So mm -hmm. it really, truly helps to have a heavy-duty mechanic in the business uh, in your family because mm -hmm. he's going to save me thousands of dollars. And um, it's kind of cool. We, we have a thing that we do together now. He always said, get your own truck, get your own truck. And I put it off, put it off, put it off. I regret that. I should have got a truck 10 years ago. It was just, oh, no, I'll never do that. Cost of fuel. So mm -hmm. I'm about to find out in the next three to six months if that decision was a sound one or not because mm -hmm. uh, I think I've run the numbers good enough. I got a payment that's uh, half of what normally people pay. The average owner-operator pays about five grand on a payment on a truck. Okay, I'm well under that. I'm even under 2500 a month, I might add. So that's good. And then I got the extended warranty to kind of give me some peace of mind for the next year. So I think the old girl's going to treat me well and she's going to make me some money. It sounds like you have a plan all set out. It's you really got to plan it out and you got to treat yeah. it like a different complete animal. Like you're not a company driver anymore. So everything you do, ka ching, ka ching, ka ching. Right, yeah. GM? Yeah, and you got to make sure that Turk gives you enough. I don't know if you get paid on all your miles or whether you just get paid for the load, but you got to make sure that Turk's getting your back calls, giving you some good money on your back calls too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's the beauty of being an owner operator. That's the last thing I'll say. If you don't like it, it's not like you're tied to it. You just go somewhere where the grass is greener and you might get a better deal. I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm just saying you have more options as an owner operator. When you're a company driver, you're so limited. You know, you got to work for this company or that company, and that's really all you can do. And you're kind of at the mercy of their, their equipment. And trust me, 90% of the equipment I've driven for company drivers is just junk. I can honestly say that the companies I worked for that had great equipment were uh, iHaul, which used to be the, uh, you know, the big red machine, H&R. You probably hear them. Okay. Yep. They were excellent. I will center them out. Uh, Heil 
was another good company that phenomenal repair shop. They they repaired their trucks and they did an excellent job. And uh, I can tell you the one of the worst was one of the biggest, Bison. And yeah. their their trucks were garbage, absolute garbage. Or as I like to call them, they were neutered freight, freight liners. So, um, yeah, I'll center them out. Absolutely. So do I have any only, bitterness towards them? Not really. <laughs> Yeah. What's the only that? Downside of, the only downside about owner ops when you are switching companies like you're talking about with a company driver, you usually have to wait two weeks for a paycheck with owner ops are four to eight. That's when you're saying switching companies. That is a yeah. tough gig. You better have six to 10 grand in the bank. And, Absolutely. Or more. Yeah. And I mean, we saved and we saved and we moved our money around and we did exactly what we had to do to make That's sure awesome. that I, well, think about it. I've been off for almost, uh, uh, almost two months when all said and right. done, and I'm not right. going to see a paycheck until April 1st, just like yeah. you said. So, yeah. you know, um, and that's why I'll be staying which out is long, which is ridiculous. I don't know why they need that long. Yeah. Well, Basically, it's based on cutoffs, right? 15th and 30th, and then you go a week before that. So that's that's how they do it. But, uh, yeah, it could be yeah. tough, and it's not going to be an easy go, but uh, no. I'm looking forward to the challenge ahead. So, okay. Yeah. So we got one more song from GM Blacktop, and then Ghost Hunter Greg is standing by. And, GM, I know you got a topic, so we're going to do that next. And you can tell me about this Rain on My Parade song that uh, you're going to we're the your highway freaks are going to listen to. So here it is. Well, I drive a truck from nine to five. Some days I swear I ain't alive. But a dream, it keeps me holding on. Some say a stage is where I belong. I've left a few goodbye written notes Had to head out on the open road Needed to be all that I could be <laughs> My mama says that Wild horses just can't drag it out of me I drive a truck from nine to five Some days I swear I ain't alive But a dream keeps me holding on A stage is all where I belong After a goodbye written note Hit it out on the open road I had to be all that I could be Wild horses couldn't drag it out of me I play my fingers to the bone In hotel rooms all day long It's really tough but I'm doing okay And all I want to do is play I'm sorry but this cowboy couldn't stay Cause ain't nobody gonna rain on my parade Some say there ain't no rhyme or reason all the struggling ain't season Got my guitar steady leaning hand 
I'm hitting a tight little six-piece bed under a hollow stage bar lights. You know I'm gonna win this fight, like everything was made will be. And I'm trying till it gets a day for me. song, truth be told, that I never wrote on any of my albums. That song right there. And that was written by Cali Fever. Okay, tonight's topic that I want to talk about is uh, the existence or the, the, the history of man's existence. And I thought that it was an interesting topic because there seems to be several different theories out there. Uh, one of which was, one of which is completely a religious belief, another might, might be evolution, and another might be um, sort of a different sort of a thought process. So the first, of course, is the religious belief. And a lot of people believe in the Adam and Eve theory and, you know, biting the apple and, uh, you know, the whole, the whole starting of existence that way, um, which I'm anxious to talk to somebody about that might believe that. Secondly, would be the evolution thing and how the caveman or Neanderthal man sort of moved into uh, a more um, the role that we have now and proper thinking, you know, working human. There's a huge difference between that and Neanderthal man. And the third might be the fact that there was an alien involvement in, in humans being brought to this, uh, much like they did. The settlers would bring people from Australia or 
England and say you're going to the new land, you're being banished to the new land, it might have been something like that. And with all the hieroglyphics that are going on and whatnot, and all the uh, laser technology that was created to build pyramids, um, maybe the alien said, and we'll even give you a head start, we'll help you with some of this stuff and get you these buildings or these temples built and blah, 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 blah. So there's a few different ones. So I just basically want to go around the panel and I want to ask everybody what they think. There's no, uh, no, there is no right and wrong. It's just about everybody's thoughts and how they believe it all started. Because it is a good question because it seems like that humanity really doesn't want to address it. Everybody just wants to bury it in their own thoughts and it really deserves more than that. I mean, it's a pretty big question and it's a pretty big uh, uh, topic because it, it it affects everything and how we live our lives and who we are and everything else. So I will do that. I will start with, so you said Greg is out in the boat right now or is he, is he here? I'm here. Okay. So what do you think, Greg? What is, what is your, what is your thoughts on that? My my theory of evolution is that Darwin was adopted. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, that's one of that's one of my favorite jokes from Stephen Wright. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I've mentioned I'm not a complete religious person, but you know, everybody has the right to believe what they want, and uh, right. I think if uh, I think definitely if evolution's the thing that some people I know have really skipped a few rungs on that ladder. How is it, do you think, that we haven't, as a mankind, been able to come up with a definitive reason? I mean, between evolution and creation? Yeah. How come we can't, as a mankind, say this is what happened? Why is there always three options, four options, or however many? Well, I mean... I between creation and evolution, you're you're talking about you know, uh, well, I mean, science is in many ways has proven evolution. Um, for example, how do you explain dinosaurs? Um, uh, and different things like that, and supposedly creation is only a certain amount of time. It's just, I don't know. It's just. It's just always going to be a battle between between scientists and and theologians, and I don't think it'll ever surely. Well, I'll tell you what'll happen: the 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 aliens will finally land here and go, "It's this," and that'll be it. That, that, that's a that's kind of what I'm getting at is that I don't think that we're not talking about small bodies of people that believe in one way or another. We're talking about the entire religious program on the world is based on some sort of uh, creation that basically they're talking about Adam and Eve or whatever. And there's a lot of religions that don't believe in that part of it, but there's a ton of them that do. And then you have a bunch of other ones that believe there's no way that happened. Um, well, well so it, 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 you got to remember too all these all these different religions who have these who have kind of the same theory can't can't get along with each other. They're arguing, right. "Oh, mine's right." No, mine's right. No, mine's right. Right. It's just it's just human nature. Right. 
Okay. What about you, Corinne? What do you think? I don't think that you mentioned Adam and Eve. I don't think that is necessarily true. Um, yeah, I've mentioned that I, I'm Christian, but that doesn't mean I believe that's how everything started because there are a lot of unexplained um, facts, I guess, on how different things were started. I don't have an idea how humans ended up on Earth, um, but there's things like you were mentioning pyramids and stuff that it doesn't make sense that man built that because if it's like a two-ton rock, how do they get it up that incline without machinery that we couldn't even get to do that now? Or how did they line pyramids up exactly perfect to the exact precise degree to certain stars? Exactly. Uh, or how did we cut, like you said, cut with lasers, with laser f finishing on, so, on cuts into the rocks and stuff. So, yeah, there's, there's part of my common sense that says, wake I think up there, there's a lot more to it than we know or that people want to admit. And there's, there's things like that all over the world. I mean, you got the, yeah. you got pyramids that are in South, South America and in Central America. You know, how is it? How is it they got the idea to build pyramids too? The Nazca lines in in Peru. Uh, if you ever get a chance to read a book called The Chariots of the Gods, great book. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really bizarre things that you can find all over the world that make you kind of scratch your head and go, okay, exactly. How did they do this? Well, and those so it, those structures are are large enough that could be seen from. Miles and miles above. Right, right, yeah. As markers. So, with that in mind, then, and this is this is the, what I believe, and it doesn't matter what I believe, and I'm going to say what I believe because I actually believe, to me, this is the only thing that makes any sense. When the settlers first came, I'm not talking about the Native Americans; I'm talking about the whites. When they came from Australia and Europe, basically, what they did is they they used the the ships and the New World as a filtering. Uh, to get rid of all their criminals and their badasses and blah blah blah. That typically that's documented that that's most of the people in the beginning that came over were basically uh outcast from their original country. So my question is this if that was the way that that happened in the fifteen hundreds or fourteen hundreds or whatever, who is to say that because certainly we're not so arrogant to think that we're the only civilization in a billion planets. Surely we're not that arrogant, even though we are. But let's pretend we're not. <laughs> Who's to say that they didn't bring a million breaking of those people down, of humans down in those days and, and said, uh, here's your new land. You're no longer, you're either an experiment or you're banished. And we're going to help you along to get you started. We're going to build you these cities. We're going to build you these temples. We're going to build you these pyramids. We're going to line them up to the stars so that we can find them again. Blah, blah, blah. Here's your hieroglyphics talking about all the spaceships in the air. Here's the guys in the moon suits. Here's the guy with the helmet and the hieroglyphics all over the world. Uh, spaceships and hieroglyphics all over the world. And we'll see where you guys are in 10,000 years. Who's to say that didn't happen? Now, if you're asking me, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Eh, yeah, that is definitely a, a theory that yeah. is going around. 
And it, but it's the only one that makes sense. None of the other ones don't make sense. Well, like it doesn't make sense to think that there was a man and a woman named Adam and Eve. That just doesn't make sense. And even the evolution, like where did how do you go from being a Neanderthal to the Middle Ages and building pyramids? Like that's not the same guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it depends. It completely it's it's completely a point of view thing. Yeah. So how about you, uh, Joy? What's your thoughts? Well, I think there can be, if you go back to the Bible, then it says, as in the time of Noah, and a lot of the technology and things that they had back then also got wiped out. Plus, it also does mention about aliens because the angels came and mixed with humans, um, and then there were giants in the land. Uh, so. Yeah, which would basically explain the Anunnaki being maybe the rulers of the people they brought. Maybe they're the, maybe they were they were the slaves, and the Anunnaki were the rulers. So yes, I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah, so so there there is definitely uh, room for some massaging of of things between um, God creating things, and I don't think he, he you know, everything was. That's why you don't see evolution and see things changing, and there's so many holes in that theory, um, because things were brought down, as you were saying, as a whole piece, um, and and things were let go to a certain point, and then they decided to wipe things out and do a restart, basically, and uh, and now we're starting to find even some of the first computers, like with things shifting and um so so there's evidence for for that's because people kept thinking well how did noah build a big freaking ship like he was building to <laughs> to do stuff if you didn't have a lot of technology and stuff back then and being laughed at about uh you know the flood coming and things like that i, I mean there's just a lot of a lot of room for so why are we so divided why is one human race so divided in such obscure beliefs from one to another why can't why this is the part that gets to me why we why are we not smart enough to figure this out and why why are so many people on the side of noah and adam and eve and so many others on the side of evolution and and Clearly, so many on the side of aliens, but think about how lost we are as a humanity if we don't even know where we came from. It's quite a gray with area. With it's quite a gray area with um, different people, personalities having different beliefs and and thoughts yes. on on how it all came about. Yeah, on, honestly, I think if if you could literally sit down and point your finger at one or the other. And say, yeah, it's absolutely definitely this. I think the world would probably be a really boring place. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Giving giving something to think about and something to wrap your brain around every once in a while and and maybe have some decent no pun intended discord with other people is 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 a good thing. That's 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 the problem we have right now in this world is 
is if you if you try to argue a point with certain people, they'll get offended and mad and they'll yeah. storm off yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and won't talk anymore to you and call you names and all this kind of stuff. And just right. if you can just sit down and have a decent conversation and and a decent argument about things and the world's a much more interesting place. I think you I will yeah, like, be able to agree to disagree. Yeah, that's yeah. good too. I will add to something. Okay, Greg just brought it up. During COVID, if you guys didn't notice, a lot of people were offended by people's belief whether COVID was real or it wasn't real or, you know, the amount of numbers. And people were getting pissed off at each other. And if you hadn't noticed on Facebook, people were unfriending people just for their belief system. So that's kind of the road that we can go down. And I don't want to go down that road. Well, we wouldn't go down that road. What are you talking about? No, I'm just, I'm just saying society as a whole. Oh, right? as a I whole, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go down that road. I want to stay away from that road. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, the it's ones like, that are very like, strong in their beliefs would get offended. Yeah. Yeah, like a person might say that if I agreed in, if I didn't agree in Adam and Eve, then I'm not a Christian. That's not true. Christian is somebody that believes in God, but that doesn't necessarily mean I believe in the Adam and Eve theory. You know, yes, so. Exact, he, yeah, I, he, I'm the same way. Well, hey, even the devil believes in God. So, you know, if he believes in it, uh, yeah. so should everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. And this, okay, this, well. this is the this is the issue I I've always kind of had with with organized religion. And again, it's what you want to believe in, by right. all means go for it. But it's so many I've seen so many churches and and whatever almost to the point of using scare tactics. Mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to keep people to keep people coming into church every yeah. day and putting money in the plate you know yeah. if if you got to do that then there's there's probably something wrong within said church i found that well, and that's been going on for centuries them, yeah. them taking out parts of the bible and not including parts yeah you can you can completely you can completely take the bible and i've read it believe me, it. i read it and it's and yeah you can completely you can change things any way to match any way you want. I mean, yeah. a, a good example was Jim Jones and the the mm-hmm. whole the yes. whole thing in in Guyana. This yeah. guy, I I just watched a special about it the other day, and I hate to say it, he came from Indiana, but uh, he would be. It was recordings of him preaching, and he was actually using socialism in his in his in his sermons, you know, he would say, praise God, socialism all the time. So you could, you can literally take that book and, and flip it any which way you want to get whatever you want out of it. He turned out to be just a, a complete monster. Yeah. Look at, look at Waco, Texas. Another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a touchy subject there. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Koresh was a nut. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, but what, the government did there also was completely, completely screwed up. I mean, the the ATF botched that one big time. Yeah, they did. They should have had more people as moles in there because they didn't understand that these people were instructed to die for this guy. And uh, they should have had people in there learning the intel before they started. Well, doing that well, shit. well, they did have people in there. They did have people. Did the, the problem was is they could have they had an arrest they had arrest warrants for him 
for David Courage, yeah. not for anybody else. They didn't have search warrants. It was mm -hmm. arrest warrants for him. They He went to town all the time to get mm -hmm. his car fixed and get his hair cut and blah, 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 blah. They could have just waited until, until he went to town and grabbed him and took him to jail. But they mm -hmm. wanted they wanted the publicity. They yeah. they they allowed the the media to know that hey, we're gonna do this big raid on a Sunday morning at ten o'clock in the morning in the bright sunlight. Mm -hmm. And they leaked all this information just so they could get they could get uh, they could get, you know, the cred for it. And just why? You know, when he could have picked him up in town so easily. Yep. Just crazy stuff. Well, like I said, it's um, one of those interesting topics that some people don't like to talk about, but I find it something that's really interesting because I try to make sense of, uh, of the whole thing. And uh, like I said, that's the only thing I come up with. So, so that was my topic and I'm sure everybody's got their own ideas on it. And uh, with that, thanks for letting me share it. Well, as usual, GM, you stir a little dust and you know what <laughs> yeah. isn't that funny that's the name of one of your classic songs i think i'm going to play it right here on highway okay. freaks <laughs> You up that moonlit night. I can't describe what it felt like. I would head over heels over you. Then a cowboy's ordinary life. They told me that the girls despise her by the look in your eyes. I see you like my cowboy boots. Gonna stir a little dust. Gonna make a little love. I'm gonna close my eyes and count to eight and see if I'm still on top, top of the world. I got you, girl I love lust, pick-up trucks And all that cowboy stuff Gonna stir a little dust I'm gonna get you everything Till you don't want more Drive you everywhere in my 4x4 four four. Saturday night, we're going to the rodeo mm -mm. And if the guys don't like my cowboy hat They can take a look at you and what I have And drive off in their foreign car alone Gonna stir a little dust Gonna make a little love I'm gonna close my eyes And count to eight And see if I'm still on top, top of the world I got you, girl I love lust, pick up drugs And all that cowboy stuff Gonna stir a little dust I may not be the banker kind of guy but girl, I sure know how to rock you cowboy style Gonna stir a little dust Gonna make a little love Gonna close my eyes I count to eight And see if I'm still on top, top of the world I got you, girl Love, lust, pick up trucks And all that cowboy stuff Gonna stir a little dust Gonna stir a little dust Gonna make a little love Gonna close my eyes and count to eight And see if I'm still on top, top of the world I got you, girl 
Hey, this is Ghost Hunter Greg, and here to talk to you a little bit about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. The ship was the pride of the American side. Sailors are widely, widely thought to be a superstitious group, even in modern times. There are countless good and bad omens, traditions, and myths surrounding ships and the water, and the christening and launch of a new ship is considered especially important. On June 8, 1958, a brand new 729-foot ore carrier was officially launched in Detroit. She was to be christened the SS Edmund Fitzgerald, registry number US277437, Hall 301. Built by the Great Lakes Engineering Works, with her power plant built by Westinghouse Electric Corporation. The ship was owned by Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company. Northwestern Mutual wanted to name the ship after its president and chairman of the board, Edmund Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's own grandfather and all great uncles had themselves been lake captains, and his father owned the Milwaukee Dry Dock Company, which built and repaired ships. Mr. Fitzgerald himself was present at the ceremony, and his wife Elizabeth did the honors. I christen you the Edmund Fitzgerald, she said. God bless you, and swung a champagne bottle against the ship's bow. Nothing happened. He tried again, and still the bottle remained intact. On her third try, she succeeded, and the signal was given to launch. The first sign of bad luck. It took over half an hour to get the steel blocks to release the ship, and finally the huge freighter slid down the grease timbers into the Detroit River. He hit the water sideways, pitched and rolled violently from the awkward landing, and slammed into the dock, sending a giant wave over the startled spectators. One man, 58-year-old Jennings Frazier of Toledo, Ohio, suffered a heart attack and died almost instantly. Another bad omen. It was a most inauspicious start and even non-superstitious person might have forgiven for one might be forgiven for wondering if it was all some kind of bad sign and many people and sailors who were actually there to see it said it was almost as if the Edmund Fitzgerald was trying to jump back out of the water and say no I don't want to go the Edmund Fitzgerald was the largest Great Lakes freighter at the time leading to its nickname the Big Fitz at a length of 729 feet, height of 39 feet, breadth of 75 feet, and a weight empty of 13,632 tons. The vessel's record load for a single trip was 27,402 tons in 1969, and for 17 years the Edmund Fitzgerald carried taconite, a pelletized form of iron ore used in the automotive industries. 
from Minnesota's Iron Range Mines near Duluth, Minnesota, to Ironworks in Detroit, Toledo, Gary, Indiana, and other ports. She set seasonal haul records six different times. And this is a timeline, a pretty comprehensive timeline I found that's very interesting. 1958, September 13th, testing of the seaworthiness sea trials of the Edmund Fitzgerald begins. Passing these trials, trials will allow the Edmund Fitzgerald to officially begin sailing and carrying cargo under the supervision of a crew. September 22nd, operation of the ship is handed over to Ogle Bay Norton. September 24th, the Fitzgerald takes her first voyage under Captain Bert Lambert through the Sioux Locks. The Sioux Locks, located on the St. Marie's, Mary's River, allow freighters to navigate between Lake Superior and the Lower Great Lakes. Upon returning, the ship breaks the record for the largest load carried through the locks. 1959, the Edmund Fitzgerald is assigned a new captain, Captain Larson. 1966, Peter P. Pulser becomes captain of the Edmund Fitzgerald. 1969, September 6th, internal and external damage occurs when the Edmund Fitzgerald hits ground near the Sioux Locks. Another bad omen. 1970, April 30th, the Edmund Fitzgerald and SS Hockledge collide, causing damage for the second time in less than eight much. Another bad omen. September 4th, the Edmund Fitzgerald is damaged when it hits a lock wall. This is the third time the Edmund Fitzgerald has, has been subjected to significant damage in only 12 months. 1971 to 72, during winter maintenance in Duluth, Minnesota, the Fitzgerald is converted from running on coal to running on oil. 1972, Captain Ernest McSorley takes command of the Edmund Fitzgerald. McSorley is the last captain the Fitzgerald will sail under. 1973, May, damage sustained by hitting the Sioux Lock again. More bad news. 1974, January 7th, the ship loses its bow anchor at about one mile to the west of Bell Island on the Detroit River. June 17th, the Edmund Fitzgerald hits the Sioux Lock Wall, causing additional damage for the second time in one month. Then 1975 comes the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. November 9th, 8.30 a.m., the Edmund Fitzgerald is loaded with taconite pellets at Burlington Northern Railroad Dock. The ship is scheduled to transport the cargo to Zug Island on the Detroit River. 2.20 p.m., the Fitzgerald departs Lake Superior en route to Detroit with 26,116 tons of taconite pellets. 2.39 p.m., the National Weather Service issues gale warnings for the area which the Fitzgerald is sailing in. Captain Cooper on the Anderson radios a freighter, the Edmund Fitzgerald, that he spots. 6.15 p.m., the Fitzgerald spots the Arthur M. Anderson some 15 miles behind it. November 10th, 1 a.m., weather report from the Fitzgerald. The report from the Fitzgerald shows her to be 20 miles south of Isle Royale. Winds are 52 knots with waves 10 feet in height. 
7 a.m. weather report from the Fitzgerald. Winds are 35 knots. Waves are 10 feet. This is the last weather report that the Edmund Fitzgerald will ever make. 3.15 p.m. Captain Jesse Cooper of the SS Arthur M. Anderson watches the Fitzgerald round Caribou Island and comments that the Fitzgerald is much closer to the Six Fathom Shoal than he would want it to be. 3.20 p.m. Anderson reports winds coming from the northwest at 43 knots. 3.30 p.m. Radio transmissions between the Fitzgerald and the Anderson. Captain McSorley and Captain Cooper. McSorley, Anderson, this is Fitzgerald. I have sustained some topside damage. I have a fence rail laid down, two vents lost or damaged, and a list. I'm checking down. Will you stay by me till I get to Whitefish? Captain Cooper. Charlie, on that Fitzgerald, do you have your pumps going? McSorley, yes, both of them. 4.10 p.m., the Fitzgerald radios the Arthur M. Anderson requesting radar assistance for the remainder of the voyage. Fitzgerald, Anderson, this is Fitzgerald. I have lost both radars. Can you provide me with radar plots till we reach Whitefish Bay? Anderson, Charlie on that, Fitzgerald. We'll keep you advised of position. About 4.39 p.m., the Fitzgerald cannot pick up the Whitefish Point radio beacon. The Fitzgerald radios the Coast Guard station at Grand Merrill's on channel 16, the emergency channel. Between 4.30 and 5 p.m., the Edmund Fitzgerald calls for any vessel in the Whitefish Point area regarding information about the beacon and light at the, fish, at the Whitefish Point. They receive an answer by the saltwater vessel Avafors that the beacon and the light are not operating. Estimated between 5.30 and 6 p.m. Radio transmission between the Avafors and Fitzgerald. Avafors, Fitzgerald, this is Avafors. I have the whitefish light now, but still am receiving no beacon. Over. Fitzgerald, I'm very glad to hear it. Avafors, the wind is really howling down here. What are the conditions where you are? Fitzgerald, don't let nobody on deck. Avafors, what's that Fitzgerald? Unclear, over. Fitzgerald, I have a bad list, lost both radars, and am taking heavy seas over the deck. One of the worst seas I've ever, I've ever been in. Avafors, if I'm correct, you have two radars? Fitzgerald, no, they're both gone. Sometime around 7 p.m., the Anderson is struck by two huge waves that put water on the ship, 35 feet above the waterline. The waves hit with enough force to push the starboard lifeboat down, damaging the bottom. 7.10 p.m., radio transmissions between the Anderson and the Fitzgerald. The Fitzgerald is still being followed by the Arthur M. Anderson. They are about 10 miles behind the Fitzgerald. Anderson, Fitzgerald, this is the Anderson. Have you checked down? Fitzgerald, yes, we have. Anderson, Fitzgerald, we are about 10 miles behind you and gaining about one and a half miles per hour. Fitzgerald, there is a target 19 miles ahead of you, so the target would be nine miles on ahead of you. 
said Cheryl. Well, am I going to clear? Anderson, yes, he is going to pass to the west of you. Fitzgerald, well, fine. Anderson, by the way, Fitzgerald, how are you making out with your problem? Fitzgerald, we are holding our own. Anderson, okay, fine. I'll be talking to you later. They never did speak again later. The 29 men aboard the Fitzgerald will never again speak with anyone outside of the ship. Sometime between 7.20 and 7.30, it is estimated that this was the time period that the ship vanished and sank. 7.15 p.m., the Fitzgerald enters a squall while still on Lake Superior. The squall obscures the vessel from radar observations by the Anderson. This is normal when in a squall. 7.20, Edmund Fitzgerald disappears from radar of the SS Arthur M. Anderson prompting a call to the Coast Guard to inform them of the situation. 7.55 p.m., the Anderson calls again and informs the Coast Guard that they have lost the Fitzgerald, both visually and on radar. At 9 p.m., the Coast Guard, with no available search ships, radios, the Arthur M. Anderson requesting assistance. Coast Guard Anderson, this is Group Sue. What is your present position? Anderson. We're down here, about two miles off, off Pacelands Island right now. The wind is northwest, 40 to 45 miles here in the bay. Coast Guard, is it calming down at all, do you think? Anderson, in the bay it is, but I heard a couple of, of salties talking up here that, that, that wish they hadn't gone out. After much more conversations and a request by the Coast Guard to return to search for the ship reluctant to go out, the SS Arthur M. Anderson agrees to give it a try, but claims that that is all we can do. 10.53 p.m., the first aircraft arrives on the scene from Traverse City, Michigan. November 11, 1975, around 2 a.m., William Clay Ford arrives at the scene of the wreck. The morning, a reverend by the name of Richard Ingalls prays in the church and holds a memorial service for the 29 men lost. This service becomes an annual service and is mentioned in the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. 1976, the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is released by Gordon Lightfoot to the public commemorating the shipwreck the song will the song is still performed to this day in his concerts of course he's passed away since this um, another interesting thing about the song is is he gave Gordon Lightfoot gave all of the proceeds that he made from the song to the families of the 29 who were killed May the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is officially identified the church bell chimed till it rang 29 times for each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald. 
Okay, thanks, Greg. I didn't really know that uh, thing about the, you know, Gordon Lightfoot donating all the proceeds. Uh, that was really quite amazing. And uh, of course, uh, Gordon Lightfoot is severely missed. So anyway, we get some pylon shout outs. And what that means is somebody that does good for you, bad for you is the black and the pink, of course, is the one that uh, basically somebody uh, did good for you. That was a woman. So I'm going to let Corinne start. Because she always usually has some. Yeah, I do, as usual. Um, so are we doing red or pink? You just mentioned pink. Uh, well, pink and red. Pink and red would be a lady. We, we, can, yeah. we can throw yeah. that in, right? Okay. Black is, as, of course, someone that pisses you off. And, you know, we can, we can even add blue. And uh, we can throw in another color for a guy, if you like. It doesn't matter. No, I just, you had mentioned red before. So anyway, I've sure. got a red pylon I would like to send to Joy, welcoming her to the crew. And for a blue pylon, um, QuickBooks Online, I've been having to deal with them getting some of my bookkeeping clients lined up. And one of the guys that I talked to yesterday was absolutely amazing, full of information, best customer service department ever that I've come across with QuickBooks Online. And a black pylon I'd like to send to the government agencies who make filing simple documents so bloody difficult when I'm trying to file the GSTs and PSTs and all those things for my bookkeeping clients, it can be a real pain in the butt sometimes. And those are mine. Okay. I have some pylons. Boy, do I ever. I have blue pylons going out to John Morin. He's the service advisor at Freightliner, New West Freightliner in Red Deer, and his staff. They are just so accommodating. Love the Slurpees and love the hot dogs and love the popcorn. So thank you, guys. And you did an amazing job. My stepson, Matt Murphy of MDM Mechanical, helping me out with servicing my truck this week and fixing little odds and ends like he fixed the reading light is a good example that would have set me back $300 and uh, he had this amazing putty and then he had this amazing stuff called cat's ass I kid you not and it cleaned all the stuff over my fog lights because they were older fog lights that uh, they put in but they're all brand new again so I was really That's impressed with clear, that the clear cat yeah. ass yeah, it's good stuff. Okay. Uh, Raj and his people, again, at Pride Truck Sales for standing by what they sell. They they are truly appropriately named Pride Truck Sales. Uh, by Pink, I was going to send to Joy for doing a wonderful job with her wit and charm tonight. But I also want to throw in a red uh, a pylon as well for my accountant who told me a few tax loopholes that I can now take advantage of. For instance, did you know if you're an owner operator, you can write off 50% of your cable bill? Isn't that awesome? Okay. And that's so cool. And I can write up 15% of my rent now. So those are two things oh. I had no idea. Can't you should be able to write off any household expenses because your your business is based out of your home. So any home expenses you should be able to claim a certain percentage, depending how big your office is. Yeah, but cable, your cable bill, it's always yes. nice to be able to your get, you know, some of them. Yeah, internet, exactly. Sure. Your cell phone, everything. Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So GM's gone, so uh, we'll pass it over to Greg for a pylon shoutouts, and then we got Pav left, of course. Uh, probably for the red one, I would say for my... 
for my niece Bridget. She's home from uh, from Phoenix while well, she lives west of Phoenix. Get so get to see her tomorrow for a visit, and uh, I think that's about it. I'm I'm ready to hit the hay. It's one a.m. here. You go right ahead and do that. You did a fine job tonight, Mister. And we'll be talking to you on February the 8th, which is our next podcast, by the way, Ghost Hunter Greg. Okay, and for those highway freaks that don't know, we will be on in two weeks' time. Joy! Jukebox Joy, such a wonderful job tonight. What do you got for pylons? Okay, well, I didn't know about the pylons, but uh, let's see. Uh, Well, I could come up with lots of black ones. Uh, City of Calgary and their stupid rules uh, for cats. I think they wrote the bylaws for uh, a, a, a hater of cats. So uh, that that I'm struggling with. Um, You're allowed to let loose on the black pylons. We oh, all have. Oh. Yeah, yeah, well, and then there's always the government because that, that's always fun because I'm trying to do do taxes and I keep having to pay more taxes because they go... Well, if you, because uh, I have a legitimate write-off, so I went to an uh, an accountant, and she goes, "Yeah, all your all your write-offs are legit, but um, if you do that, uh, g- the government it'll send red flags up, and then you get audited, so that ex- ends up costing you a lot with the audit. So just pay the government. So that's always fun. So th- there there's the other fun side of those those write-offs." <laughs> Just a little pro tip. Hmm. Interesting, because I've been writing stuff off since 2019 and never had an issue. It depends on how many years and uh, and the type. But yeah, it, it was interesting because I had to buy a whole bunch of uh, show jewelry for doing shows. And, um, and hmm. yeah, they didn't use them. So I've been paying way too much taxes for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they were going to go back because we weren't sure about mortgages and how I was going to finagle the house and everything here. And uh, yeah, so they they made it look like I'm making more money than I am. And then oh, um, so yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, that's not good. No, no. So I need a good accountant, and um, hopefully somebody. I I do have lots of pink and red pylons for. The people out here that I've been meeting, they've been super nice and lovely and um, trying to be helpful. And my neighbors on both sides are absolutely wonderful. So I'm very grateful for wonderful neighbors. And um, and most of the people here are, are uh, very quite nice and, and helpful. And I got loaned a truck because I ended up with hail damage on my car. So it's in BC getting $20,000 of hail damage repair done on it. And, um, um, yeah, so a nice, uh, gentleman loaned me his truck in the meantime. So, uh, I am 20 grand. What do you, do you own a limousine? <laughs> I have a 2022, uh, stinger. Oh, okay. Dodge stinger. No, no, it's a Kia stinger and it's a, uh, it's the one that wow. goes from zero to 60 in, uh, just over three seconds. And oh, it, okay. Because every yeah. everybody needs that, right? Because <laughs> it's a practical sports car. Because it's not just a sports car. It actually has. It's a hatchback 
but it looks like a total sports car. You can't tell it's a hatchback, but the space in it is phenomenal. Um, it's got total luxury, and it has all the things that, you know, us people as we're getting older need to help us with our driving. So, you know. Uh, all the bells and whistles morning. and alarms. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely love the car. Um, I, I uh, would highly recommend it, except they're, of course, discontinuing it, um, which is a shame. But it also came up with a good name for a band name because it does say on it, you know, it goes 300 kilometers an hour. Are we not supposed to, you know, test it out at some point? So the yeah. band's called the the Kia Stingers? Is that the no, name of the no, band? No, no, no. It's like when you hit that straight stretch where there's nothing there, you can see for miles and there's no, there's no, you know, visible anything on the road, no animals, you know, good spot, you know, open her up. So, yeah, you know. Her, there you, you know, go. Pretty, pretty far up there. Uh, <laughs> I won't say on air how far up, but it was, it was the, the guys at, at Kia were like, um, I don't know that you were supposed to. I said, it says 300 kilometers an hour. And, and I have a background with race car driving. So, um, <laughs> so I called it being responsibly reckless. You, you say you have a background with race car driving. We, our guy, Motorhead Mark, races those old classic. Uh, what are they called, Crin? You know the name of them. Old, old time racers association. Oh, try. Thank you. Yes, well, you know, out in in Ashcroft and you know Mission Raceway right. and, and right. the drag racing. Yeah. So yeah. Nineteen sixty-seven Chevelle. Um, and my husband actually had an engine dyno, so I know about engine dynos and stuff too. So. Ah. There's just more to you than meet the eye. I can't wait to hear more as we peel this little onion over the next few podcasts. <laughs> anyway, that that was great. And thank you for coming on tonight. You are a welcome addition to the podcast. You add some wit and charm and definitely you put GM a bit on his edge at times, which is always cool to see, um, you know, because uh, uh, before you came along, GM was the guy. He was the controversy guy. He was the guy that uh, always kind of runs us down the wrong rails on the tracks. Now, you could take over that wonderful, I dubious could. position. I could easily, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, you you can be devious as much as you like uh, well, uh, within the confines. We went down to mischievous for me because I'm really like a little angel, but there's just that bit of devilishness in there. Right. Like I, said, I right. don't mind following rules when they make sense, but when they don't make sense, I just, I smash them to pieces. And there you go. And you made more new friends on the podcast as well. So anyway, that is a wrap on number 61. Thank you, everybody. And uh, this will be uh, basically available to listen to uh, this weekend. And as the saying goes, good night and may the good news be yours. <laughs>